At Salesforce, we're all about asking more of AI. Questions like, where's the data going? Is it secure? Are you sure? Are you sure you're sure? Get answers you can trust from Salesforce at askmoreofai.com. So that way we could get Bill WD-40 into the chat room to lube us up for tonight's show. T-Bone, thank you for that great Canadian super chat, my man. Very much appreciate it. And uh, Bigfoot Michigan Rob, good to see you. Super Duke, Super Duke. Jennifer Patterson, welcome to SOR Chat. Thank you for joining us. And Jerry O'Brien again, and Jerry O'Brien again, and again, and again. Who else do we have here? Let's quickly scroll up. Did I miss anybody? Uh, Hi, Nicole. How are you? And... I think we is uh, caught up right now. Remember, Super Chat is open. It's a great way to support what we do on this show. And head to our website, spacedoutradio.com. Get your T-shirts and everything today. We do not have ugly swag, people. Horns up. Let's rock. From the mountains of central British Columbia to you listening around the world, this, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Our website, spacedoutradio.com, we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. A power show of awesomeness tonight when it comes to monsters, legends, and cryptids. The crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, returns to Spaced Out Radio tonight, and you will have a great time listening. Trust me on that. Then in hour number three, Steve Stockton from Among the Missing has a spooky story from Mount Everest. Right after that, it's a UFO report with little Timmy Senor. The man, the myth, and the legend, also known around these parts as the crypto guru. Ronald L. Murphy Jr. is one of the most successful authors on Amazon when it comes to everything to do with monsters, legends, and folklore. Now, he got his start around 2015. We were actually his first ever interview that he ever did on his book about the Chestnut Ridge in Pennsylvania. Since then, Ron has blown up. He's at multiple conferences every year. He's on multiple television programs. He's got a beard to die for. He's educated. He's honest. And realistically, he's one of the best guys in this field when it comes to everything to do with monsters and legends. And we're proud to call him a good friend on Spaced Out Radio. The Crypto Guru, it's nice to have you back on the show, my man. 
It feels like coming home, Dave. It feels like coming home. And um, another thing I want to say, somebody mentioned, will I have a similar hat on? The answer is, of course, I will have a similar hat on. Where Dave goes, I go. Well, when it comes to the hats, though, and our radio audience can't see this, but a long time ago, Ronald Murphy started wearing a beautiful fedora that he used to go out into the field and do his research. And I was walking around Whistler for my summer holiday this year, and I came through this hat shop, and I saw this beautiful black fedora, and I was like, the guru would be proud if I bought that. And I bought this hat 100% specifically for you, my man. And I am touched by that. I will tell you, Dave, though, there is one difference between you and I. I wear my hat to cover up male pattern baldness. You have no need for that, but this is my little bit of disguise. This is my little deception that I have going on. I love it. I love it. It's been a busy year for you as you've traveled all over uh, the United States talking about monsters and legends. Uh, you continue to write. For people who don't know, you're you're a father of five, a grandfather of one, and you yeah. your kids keep you extremely busy as well. I mean, it's been a busy year. I mean, looking back at the last 10 months, what, what's your favorite accomplishment in the monster world of 2023? Um, to tell you the truth, and I think my, my the best accomplishment that I take pride in is I stayed out of the drama. Man, I, I don't know what's going on in the field right now, um, but there is so much going on, backstabbing, undercutting, undermining, everything that's going on. Um, a few years ago, uh, Benjamin Radford uh, for uh, uh, Skeptical Inquiry magazine said, uh, the most damage being done to researchers in the Bigfoot field, but it could be in the, the paranormal field, uh, altogether, the most damage done is not by ardent skeptics, and it's not by the scientific community. The damage is being done within. You know, there is definitely a cancer uh, within the paranormal world where it is eating away. And and if we're not careful, the the progress that we have made is going to be marginalized, and we are now again going to be seen as the fringe nuts that are talking about things that go bump in the night. We cannot allow that to happen. Um, I try to stay clear of the drama. I try to stay uh, like Switzerland and all this kind of uh, infighting. But Dave, I would say my greatest accomplishment after doing, you know, uh, a few dozen conferences and traveling from, you know, uh, New Hampshire to Dallas and the whole way, you know, and over the whole way over to uh uh, Eastern Kentucky within that with that in that range is that I've been able to stay out of the drama. <laughs> You're lucky. You are lucky, my man. I am. Um, and it's um it's it's almost like a, a tide. Uh, if you're standing too close to the the water's edge, you're going to be washed away just because of your proximity, and, and that shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't. Uh, you know, I've lost a lot of good friends in this field years ago, uh, simply because I, I I trusted that we are all genuine human beings. Uh, but the more I get into the field and the deeper I go, uh, the more jaded I become. And that's really not who I am, Dave. You know, I, I, I want to be an open person. I want to be able to share uh, my research with other people uh, without any kind of fear of reprisals or fear of the things being stolen or whatever. 
uh, but it's becoming more and more difficult to be genuine, you know, but uh, I, I will, I will endeavor and persevere and uh, try to maintain that kind of uh, uh, integrity uh, that I've uh, tried to maintain for all these years. But uh, uh, you know it's, what, it's Ron, getting difficult. I know. I, I, I want to kind of interrupt here for a quick second because I know exactly where you're going with this, but it's not just the cryptid world. It's happening in the paranormal. It's not. It's definitely happening in the UFO world. And we have talked about this, not you and I, but myself and many of my friends have talked about this behind the scenes about what's going on. I think it's an absolute game plan, right? Those in power who are hiding the secrets, the core secrets of this planet, don't want us to be finding the answers to UFOs, don't want us to be finding the answers to mysteries like Bigfoot and Dogman, okay? Or you could sit there and say, hey, well, what about ghosts? Well, if any paranormal team had any logic, they would be looking for questions like, what is out there? How do we get life after death? Instead of, can you knock three times for me, please? You know, I mean, I always I always say this. And I put this on my Facebook every now and again. I just did again a couple weeks ago or about a week ago. If you ever want to confuse a paranormal team, ask them what they do with their evidence. Because they do nothing with that. it. They do That's nothing right. with it. That's right. And, and so I think what's happening is those who are controlling the narrative of the phenomenon, okay, are are really pushing for this chaos within our community because they don't want us to solve the answers. And the problem that they're having is as UFOs have hit mainstream news, much like paranormal television about 22, 23 years ago, it's going to expand the market of people seeking knowledge. And there's going to be trickles of people who actually are interested in this not for the thrill, but to actually find out what's going on. And I don't think they want those secrets to come out. It's definitely that way in the UFO world. What's your thoughts? You know, that sounds completely, completely plausible and probable. Um, I, you know, the times that I've worked on television, I know that it's very scripted. I know that it's very precise. There's, there's definitely an agenda to sell. And uh, if it's not your agenda, it's never going to be your agenda. It's going to be the producer's agenda. And I've seen that happen first place. Um, and, and and you can see the celebrities now that are coming out in the paranormal field. You know, rock stars, sons and daughters now, right? I mean, I just saw that Jenny McCarthy was doing a ghost hunt on Travel Channel uh, earlier this evening. So people are starting to get this as this is their income this is their, their their either their quest for fame or their backup for you know the fame that they once had to try to regain it so they become talking heads again and who are they because they're obviously Jenny McCarthy doesn't have any idea about what's going on in the paranormal field at all so she's definitely a mouthpiece for the people that are writing the agenda and I agree with you totally I think there's so much misinformation out there and not only misinformation there's also a saturation of the field to the point that it becomes silly after a while and that's really i mean what you're saying is not like some sort of uh conspiracy nut what you're saying is absolutely plausible that what's going on right now is a way to make the researchers look silly and really kind of take the focus off 
of what we're all looking for, and that's the answers. Yeah, and the question is, what are those answers? Where are they hiding, and why are they so important that it deserves this giant secret? I can understand UFOs, okay? I can understand that because life out in outer space or time travel or crossing dimensions, that's going to move the, the, the ball forward on humanity and where we go in the future. Okay, the question is, what happens when we die? And what's with these monsters that we are seeing? Where are they coming from? How are they getting there? You know, so, I mean, it's a big conundrum that that we are trying to fill the void on. I mean, you've been doing this long enough now, same as I have. Are you any closer to answers? Because I sure as hell am not. You know, no, not definitive answers, no. Um, I don't think there's ever going to be a definitive answer, but, you know, it's almost like a quest for the meaning of life. And in that, I have come closer to the objects of my, you know, compassion, you know, my my passions. Um, The closer you get to things that fear you, that you fear, uh, the more you can identify with them. You know, there's, there's that great saying by Nietzsche, if you stare out in the void long enough, the void will stare back at you. And I think that I'm getting to the realization that the things that we fear are probably not as terrible as we are, right? I mean, we are projecting ourselves onto these monsters when in reality we are the monsters. You know, we're capable of much more heinous things than a vampire, dogman, or Bigfoot is capable of. So we have cast these archetypes into characters that take the blame for us. They become our scapegoats. So the closer I get to the objects, the closer I see our reflection within them. Good point. Uh, So, yeah, that's kind of... It's very... I think it's very philosophical, but you have to be sort of philosophical uh, whenever you research for as long as you and I have, Um, especially with you as an experiencer. It means something to you, right? Right. What you've experienced means something to you that nobody else out there can comprehend. Not even people that have also had experiences themselves. It was unique. It was personal. It was systemic. It affected you in ways that it doesn't affect other people. So what you had was, in you know, religious terms, you had a revelation. You got to see through the veil, and you got to see what is hidden in that other world that other people do not have access to. Um, and I think that we as researchers are getting closer and closer to peering behind that veil. But like you said, with you seeing things and other people witnessing things, with all these shows on out there, with everything out there in the market and not knowing who to believe and hoaxers and everything, and the infighting, who's going to believe you, number one? And once you come up with your story, does it make a difference to anybody either? That's the other side part, right? That we have been so you know maligned by all this confusion, all this noise that's going on there, we can't actually hear the tune that's playing, right? I mean, there, there's that there's that frequency out there. There's that universal frequency that connects us all together, and uh, it, it is just now just nothing but static and noise because. Uh, you know, we've lost our, 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 our channel there. 
and uh, we need to get that channel back. But with shows like this, again, my favorite program that I've ever appeared on, you are absolutely correct. It's the first show that I'd ever done uh, related to the paranormal. Uh, and also, you're the one that gave me my name, Crypto Guru, which I still use to this day. Um, so there has to be shows like this. There has to be formats like this. And there has to be places where we can converse about these things or the field that we are in will change so drastically, it will not even look recognizable in a few years. The crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Ron, you have written about everything from ghouls and goblins and fairies to Bigfoot, Dogman, ghosts, and everything in between. What scares you? Outside uh, of outside of women, what scares you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll tell you what, the biggest mystery in life uh, that I've ever confronted is the female figure, right? I mean, that, that's true. So I've written two books trying to exercise these kind of um, these kind of uh, uh, night terrors that I get from women, and one of them is on mermaids, and the other one was appropriately appropriately enough on witches, right? And um, it, but it does look into the female psyche, and it looks at the subjugation of women and what women mean to a patriarchal society. Um, but at the end of the day, the biggest mystery that I've ever confronted, and I've, I've never been able to even come close to solving, is the mystery of women. And also, uh, you know, that's one of my greatest fears as well, too. But I will tell you, the things that scare me the most is not those things that go bump in the night. It's not those things that you think might be stalking you in the shadows or lurking for you in the trees. Uh, the biggest thing that scares me is the idea of simply being alone. I think that whenever we are by ourselves within our own company, that is some of the most frightening things that can happen because what is inside of us, what we are capable of imagining and what we're capable of bringing to light is is terrifying to me, right? I mean, it is out of this imagination that we have developed the atomic bomb. It is out of this imagination that Jack the Ripper was able to go to town in uh, in London. You know, it, we are human beings are very, very difficult uh, uh, creatures to live with and to deal with. And um, I, I really feel that that is the case. Being alone with my humanity is one of the greatest fears that I have. <laughs> well, when it comes to the monsters, though. Right. Okay, so monsters. Um, so, the dogman. I mean, obviously, that is the the big uh, the big thing, right? Um, I got back uh, a week ago. Uh, no, I didn't get back. I, I was there a week ago today. I was in the mountains of eastern Kentucky uh, doing a, a ghost tour. And then the next day I did a, 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 um, a, uh, a conference where I spoke about vampires. And um, there were a lot of dogman sightings uh, in this part of the world. And, uh, you know, every time I went outside, I was, I was terrified. And I remember driving back from Dallas over the summertime, and it was right around midnight. And the moon was coming full over the horizon right as I approached the sign that said land between the lakes. And I thought, you know, what happens to something that happens to my car, I get a flat tire or whatever. These are the fears that nag at me as well, too. So I think the one of the greatest fears I have in the things that I investigate and the things that I would least like to meet 
uh, and that is the dogman. Uh, the name again, when I said about the humanity, what makes the dogman so frightening? And it is a beast with this humanity to it, this intelligence to it. And that is something that I don't want to reason with because dealing with instincts is one thing, but dealing with something that can calculate is something totally different. Have you ever been around a dogman? So, um, I, I, you know, I've, I've told the story before, but it's been years since I told the story. So I'll tell it again and we'll see what some of your audience members think and see what you think. So there's an area that I do a lot of my research in. It's a pretty desolate area. Um, but there was the story that there was a, a gentleman that believed that he was able to transform into a werewolf and he would go to this place because of its desolation, because there he wouldn't come across anybody by accident, right? So I was researching this one particular area, and this is really before Dogman became part of the vernacular, right? We're dealing with the idea of werewolves and transformation. Dogman is being whispered about, but it's still not that big yet, right? So we were at an area where we were investigating uh, a werewolf uh, uh, sighting by, by this particular gentleman. Because he said whenever he went there to this location, he was not alone. There was a female werewolf there as well, too. So we went down there one evening, and it was probably close to midnight. And um, it was odd because it's the first time I've ever encountered something like this, although I have encountered it again. But it appeared as if the atmosphere around us um, became... um, almost like static electricity, you can see it. It's like whenever you pull a cover off of a bed and you see that electricity. It was in the air. It was around us. Um, You could feel the hair raising up in your arms. Um, It was probably something like a lightning storm coming uh, into power, brewing up, but, you know, it was a clear sky. Walter Brown here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital in Biloxi. If you have concerns about your child, reach out to Ocean's Biloxi today. Kim? The adolescent population needs and deserves special attention regarding their mental health and treatment. If a child in your life is struggling, they may need more emotional support than you can provide. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. At Oceans, we offer intensive outpatient programming for the adolescent population. Learn more at OceansBiloxi.com. Hear that? That's the sound of your money slacking. Make it work harder for you at Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. Featuring high-yield certificates of deposit with just a $500 minimum deposit. Like 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield. And 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt branch or go to sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. So, the other research that I was with, we knew that there was something happening right uh our gear started to run out of batteries our camera our flashlights everything was being drained of power so we thought this would be a good a good time to get out of there no time for heroics or anything so as we turned to walk the path in which we came we noticed that a light illuminates in the trail um and it looked almost like a sparkler or a flare it kind of like fizzled on it ignited to its brightest and then kind of fizzled off. Not uh, not a uh, very quick turn off and on, but a very gradual kind of sparkle out. We thought, well, this is odd, but not only is it odd, 
but we have to get through that particular area to get back to our cars. So we mustered up the courage, we soldiered on. And when we got to the point where that light illuminated, we heard something in the woods begin to follow us. Um, It was the most unnerving thing that I've ever had on any kind of research. You know, we were investigating dogmen, we're investigating a werewolf. We see this this light come on, and now all of a sudden there's something following us. Um, You could hear it taking in breaths. From every now and then you could hear a brief snarl coming from the underbrush. And, um, but, you know, uh, as you can see, we, we made it out of there, but, um, that is whenever I came closest to knowing that what we are searching for is indeed out there, right? What we call Bigfoot or werewolves or dogmen or whatever, what these beings are, they're out there, but where they come from and what their essence is, that remains to be seen. Because it is my feeling that what we witnessed that night was something opening up from another world into our world. And I know that that sounds kind of far-fetched and a little bit of sci-fi like, but, you know, we talk a lot in this field about uh, interdimensionality and the idea of portals open. And I truly believe that what we experienced was a portal opening. You know, if you look at a Tesla coil and that kind of electricity that goes off, that's very similar to what we experienced before that light came on. And Guru, I do believe that that light... Oh, go ahead. Guru, I'm going to get you to hold on right there because we do have to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Author, researcher, and downright handsome guy, the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy. You can get all his books on Amazon. Just search Ronald L. Murphy Jr. If you want any monster collection books, these are the ones. We'll be right back. Guru time. We're only half. Uh, how, how are we already through half an hour? That's ridiculous. I know. It's horrible. Horrible, Guru. It is. It is. Big shout out to uh, UAP Studies, Jason Gilmet. Uh, do me a favor, Spaced Out Radio fans. Uh, when you get a chance, go over to their YouTube channel, UAP Studies, and hit subscribe. Ring that bell. Um, Jason, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you as a moderator here, okay? So that way you can uh, post your link, and uh, that way everybody can find your channel and get over there and uh, and uh, hit subscribe and ring that bell. It's one of the best podcasts out there when it comes to UFOs. Uh, they've had millions of listens, millions, and so we got to support uh, our good friends over there. So if you could do that, Jace, I'd appreciate that. The Cryptid Huntress, Jessica Jones. You guys are awesome. Well, thank you, Miss Jones. I got my haircut today. I got my haircut. I'm growing out my top again. And uh, I'm growing out my beard. So... We'll grow out our beards together. Sure. I'm good with that. Look who it is. It's lovely Linda Thompson. Thank you, Linda, for that wonderful super chat. I hope you're feeling better, my dear. Miss chatting with you. I will call you very soon. Uh, 
Yep. And for everybody who's new here, because I see uh, some new faces kind of tuning on in, uh, we're a hybrid of a live YouTube show, a live uh, radio show, and a live podcast. So we have to take our commercial breaks to line up with our radio stations, but you guys get to see behind the scenes of what we do and all that kind of groovy stuff. Day and Era Briones. Day and Era. I love that name. Day Day and Era. First heard the name Day and Era during the Hercules series. Remember with Kevin Sorbo? That's right. That's Day and Era. What a beautiful name. Beautiful name. It is. Mennonite Abe, thank you for that good super chat, my friend. Appreciate you, man. Hey, everybody, don't forget that uh, to Mark uh, and Guru, you too. You too, because you and Bowden are traveling. All right. May 10th yeah. through 12th, 2024, Reno, Nevada, for the third annual SOR fan party. It's at the Silver Legacy Casino and Resort. Coast. I wish you would do Florida, do New York City or something. Dude, I'm West Coast, man. I know, I know. <laughs> but here's the thing. We're doing a live show. We're having a major party between our guests and our fans. We are doing a ghost hunt of Virginia City and a wow. UFO Skywatch on the Saturday. We got lots of stuff to do there. So, yeah, and we're going to have a special prize for one special fan. One special wow. fan is going to come out of there with a beautiful surprise. Well, I will tell you, I did drive to Texas, and it would only be a less than another day away, so I may actually drive it. I may do that. Well, you need to uh, get a hold of uh, Brian Bowden because uh, yeah. the man with 8,336 podcasts says he's going. I know. He tells he tells me a lot of things. He's supposed to go with me on a lot of conferences, and the guy never shows up. <laughs> All right. Uh, big thank you to Derek Galloway for coming on in. And who else do we have in here? Uh, who else jumped in here? Let's just say the name again. Dayanera. Oh. My heart. My heart. Uh, let's see here. Who else do we have in here? You know who else has a beautiful name? W. Decker has a beautiful name. Yeah, he does. Susie B. Badass Billy Gunn. D. Cypher. How you doing, guys? Love my Susie B. All right. Thank you tonight to Louie, T-Bone, Jennifer, Linda, and Mennonite Abe for the great super chats. Very much appreciate it. Hi, Joey Zed and uh, Raymond. Appreciate you. Remember, you can go to our website, spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag there, people. We have clothing that you will actually want to wear. Yeah, it's the way we do things. That is true. That is true. Yeah, so. I have some that swag. That's very true. Yeah, absolutely. All right, here we go, everybody.
Second half hour with the Crypto Guru on Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet, we call Earth. Want to remind all of you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can follow us on the Space Travelers Club by joining us on Patreon. Here we go. Author, researcher, badass overall, the cryptid guru, Ronald Murphy, the man, the myth, the legend. If you want any of his books, just head on over to Amazon.com, type in Ronald L. Murphy Jr., and you'll find him right there. Ronnie, thank you for joining us, buddy. Love you, man. I can't believe the, the first half hour went by so quickly. We were able to get in one story. And, uh, yeah, I love you too, Dave. You're, you have been family to me for a long time now, and, I, and I'm glad to be here. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. All right. Where do we want to go with this half hour, man? Tell us some spooky stories of, of encounters that you have researched. All righty. Let's see here. Okay. So the, the newest book that I've written, but it has not been published yet, and that is uh, on Earthlights, right? So I think a lot of people, whenever they go out there, more and more people are starting to see orbs and these strange balls of light. And I've even seen long cylinders of light as well, too. And uh, Ron Moorhead. Walter Brown here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital in Biloxi. If you have concerns about your child, reach out to Ocean's Biloxi today. Kim? The adolescent population needs and deserves special attention regarding their mental health and treatment. If a child in your life is struggling, they may need more emotional support than you can provide. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. At Oceans, we offer intensive outpatient programming for the adolescent population. Learn more at OceansBiloxi.com. At Casper, we want you to have it all, especially when it comes to your sleep. So we went ahead and made everything on our site up to 50% off. Yeah, for real. Even our innovative, extremely comfy mattresses. Yep, they're up to 25% off. Adjustable bed frames, 50% off. Pillows, sheets, bedding, bundles, and that super cute dog bed. It's on sale. It doesn't get much bigger than this. Visit Casper.com or a store near you through October 24th to save on everything. Exclusions apply. See Casper.com slash promo. Actually wrote about that as well uh, in one of his books that uh, there's something going on out there when we talk about Bigfoot sightings or UFO sightings. There seems to be a um, uh, a gray area that kind of connects everything together. And one of the things that seems to be happening is there are these um, these orbs, these energies out there. And many times these things seem to be sentient beings, right? They seem to have some sort of intelligence to them. So as I'm writing this book and as I'm researching in the field and as I'm looking into more and more stories, I'm finding that one of the common links in all these tells is indeed earth lights or orbs or, or, or energies or whatever have you. So um, that is one of my, my, my researches. Not that it's necessarily frightening, but it's one of those things that I find extremely interesting because if we can start 
um, getting down to the fact of what these beings are, these entities are, if they are energies, if they are from the earth itself, is it possible that what we're seeing in Bigfoots and Dogman or, or any any cryptids is a manifestation of these earth lights into physical form? So that's one of the things I'm working with. I apologize, it's not, it's not, it's not terrifying. But uh, there's not a lot of woo in it either. But I'm thinking that if we can get to the point that we understand that this is energy, it's possible we can start measuring it. Um, and, you know, of course, you use scientific uh, logic at that point. But another thing that I'm, I'm thinking about as well, too, people complain about not being able to get successful photographs of these things. And that may be because what we're trying to photograph is energy that's projecting itself into our minds and it's actually not there, but we are seeing something that it intends us to see. So, yeah, that's one of the that's one of the things I'm getting at. So, we want scary things, though, don't we? Because it's almost Halloween, so we do want scary, terrifying things. Um, and uh, we can talk a little bit about uh, vampires if you want to, because as I said, I was just down in Kentucky. Uh, last week, so I can make this really, really cool connection uh, with uh, Kentucky and Pennsylvania that involves vampires. Does that sound like fun? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, so in, in Pennsylvania, up along Lake Erie, there's something up there called the Vampire Crypt. Okay, so this dates back to the 1800s, where the story goes: somebody came in from Romania. Uh, they they died. They were buried in the crypt, and soon after they were buried in the crypt, bodies start showing up on the outskirts of Erie, drained of blood. Right. This is the story, um, and uh, one of the uh, the groundskeepers uh, noticed that shortly after midnight, a figure would leave this particular mausoleum and come back before daybreak. So what he did was he took a chain, chained the doors closed, and then caught the mausoleum on fire. So if you go there right now, the mausoleum looks as if it was burned. Now, in actuality, it's from erosion and acid rain and what have you, but it's a great story, right? So um, this is now, you know, we're, we're moving up 40 years now, 1920s, 1930s at this point, and the legend of the vampire's mausoleum is pretty common knowledge in Erie. And a group of high school kids get together and they make a bet and they say, all right, we're going to go see who is going to get the proof that there's a vampire there. Uh, so, you know, double dog daring one of their friends who draws the short stick and goes, okay, I will prove it. And he waits till his parents go to bed. He sneaks out in the middle of the night with a, uh, with a shovel. Now I'll tell you any story that takes place after midnight with a teenager and a shovel in a cemetery. It's never going to be good news, but he heads on over there to the mausoleum. He was able to break the lock free. He wiggled his way into, into the insides of the tomb and there laying on a slab is the perfectly preserved body of this figure, right? The, 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 the so-called vampire. All right. So to prove that he was there, he reached down and took a signet ring off the finger of the believed vampire. So the next day, his friends wake up, you know, they meet. Have you seen little Johnny today? You know, no, we haven't seen him. So let's go over, see if he went through with this, see if he was brave enough to go in there. So they head on over to little John, Johnny's house. 
they knock at the door and the mother answers, you know, hey, kids, what are you doing here so early? And, you know, we've come to see little Johnny and she goes, well, he's still in bed. And, um, you know, they say, oh, can we see him? Can we see him? So after enough complaining, the mother indeed goes upstairs, knocks at the door and there's no answer. So she quietly opens up the door to her son's room and there laying in the bed is her teenage son dead with a look of shock on his face and the finger in which he put the ring on was torn from his body and he was clutching just the stump of the finger uh, in his hand and his windows curtains were open and blowing because something came in through the window. Okay. So that's the story here in Erie. Okay. Now let's go a thousand miles South and we get right around to, you know, Eastern Kentucky. Okay. So the story there is from the 1930s, right? Same same type of time period this was going on. Uh, somebody comes over from Romania, right? Um, he lives in a cabin as a hermit up in the woods. And as soon as he goes up there, people start disappearing and animals are found mutilated. I, again, two mountain boys from town uh, decide to take it on their own. And uh, on a dare, they go up there to see if this guy is really a vampire and if the people disappearing and the animals being mutilated are actually because of this guy living in their vicinity. So they walk up the mountain, they go to his, his window, and they peer through the grimy glass. And inside, they see the man at the table with blood pouring from his mouth because he's eating raw flesh. You know, So they hightail him back to town. Uh, a group of people... Uh, you know, a group of uh, good old boys in town and a form of mountain justice get together with pitchforks and shotguns and head on up there. Uh, they find the cabin. They kick in the door. Uh, strewn across the floor are body parts everywhere. There's congealed blood on the table and on the countertops. And beside the fireplace is a neatly stacked pow of human arms and legs. So they burn the cabin down. There's a manhunt. And uh, the, the, the vampire, this man they're looking for, is never seen again. So a couple of things you need to look at this story. Um, one of the things is that both times uh, the, uh, the antagonist comes from Romania. So you have this connection with, with you know, the, the world of the vampire. Um, and they're both going into working class areas. One is the coal fields, and the other one is the uh, is the, uh, the the barge industry, the uh, canal industry up in in, uh, in Erie. So you could say that this is a a, a moral tell about uh, xenophobia and trying to keep the other out of your community, which which plays okay, but without immigrants, you know, these jobs aren't going to be successfully uh, worked. So that kind of goes out of play. Um, we could also say that there was a serial killer on the loose, but they wanted to play uh, blame a vampire. Uh, but the other really unique thing about this, up in Erie and in Kentucky as well, is that the belief that these beings, these entities, are still hunting in these areas is still very pronounced. People still believe that these 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 stories from the 1930s that the, the, the original, the origins of these stories, the genesis of these stories, these vampires are truly vampires and they're not dead and they're still stalking both Erie, Pennsylvania and Harlan, uh, Kentucky, which I find really, really awesome as a folklorist because you try to figure out what these stories mean to a culture because if they don't mean anything to a culture, they will soon disappear and fall away. 
So when we talk, when we take out all the red herrings, we take out the idea of the fear of the uh, the immigrant and all those other stuff. We are left startlingly with something that means people were being killed uh, inexplicably, and there was a vampire to blame. And now in 2023, we still believe these things. Should we believe them, though, Ron? Yeah, you know what? I think that we should. I think that of all the kind of creatures that we hunt down, uh, the vampire does make sense. Um, you know, right now, you and I could get in a car and go to a vampire club in New Orleans or in Tokyo or New York City. You know, th- there are vampire bars. There are people out there that um, that define themselves as vampires. Okay, that's all fine and good from a sociological standpoint, right? But when we're talking about the undead, the Nosferatu, the Strigoi, right? We talk about those types of beings, the revenant, the undead. Then we're taking, we're asking to go into the woo, right? We're asking to take a step across that line that uh, we really don't want to venture across because then what does that mean, right? There's something out there that transcends, you know, life and death. And that only reason why it survives it because it feeds off of us. And we are supposed to be the apex. You know, we are the crown of God's creation. Nothing feeds off of us. But to think that we are mere, you know, cattle for these beings that see us as, you know, you know, as nothing more than food, that's very, very scary, you know. And uh, I, I think that it does put us in our place when we talk about vampires. Uh, to think that there's something out there that is um, uh, feeding off of us, something that sees us as, as prey, that's very... Walter Brown here for Ocean's Behavioral Hospital in Biloxi. If you have concerns about your child, reach out to Ocean's Biloxi today. Kim? The adolescent population needs and deserves special attention regarding their mental health and treatment. If a child in your life is struggling, they may need more emotional support than you can provide. There's nothing wrong with asking for help. At Oceans, we offer intensive outpatient programming for the adolescent population. Learn more at OceansBiloxi.com. At Casper, we love all things sleep, so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers, well, everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at Casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See Casper.com slash promo. Very off-putting. And it also shows that we are incapable of of mastering uh, that which we fear, that there's something out there that sees us as nothing more than a source of nutrients. So uh, I, I do think that the vampires exist in as much as people claim that, that they are vampires. But I also think that there's something more to be said there as well, too, because people have come back with startling stories of running into so-called vampires and, uh, you know, having, you know, their, their lives completely uh, turned upside down by these experiences. See, I don't buy into the whole identifying as when it comes to vampires mm-hmm. or werewolves or whatever. I think that's just, it's like cosplay to me, okay? And I don't I don't see that. And I've talked to Varla Ventura about this numerous times as well. You know, I want to know if there's real vampires out there, yes. if there are immortals. You know, have you ever been contacted by an immortal or an alleged immortal? You know what? Yeah, years ago, I was contacted by somebody 
that claimed that they were indeed a vampire. Now, I've spoken to a lot of people that have identified as vampires. I know exactly what you mean, Dave. You know, now we're all about buzzwords, about, you know, how we identify with each other and everything like that. But we're not talking about cosplay. We're not talking about somebody that listens to The Cure and wears black all the time. We're talking about something... There's an entity out there that can transcend life and death, and the only way that they can stay pertinent is by feeding off of our blood. That's the kind of vampire we're talking about. And I have been, you know, I have been introduced to people that claim that they are, you know, hundreds of years old. Now, a quick couple of questions usually puts them in their place, and they kind of slink off into the shadows again and listen to Morrissey for the rest of the night. But uh, I've never encountered a true vampire uh but um i uh at the uh, conference that i did on vampires uh last weekend um i did uh meet somebody uh, matt delf i think the two the uh, cryptid huntress has had on her show a number of times uh that he has indeed claimed that he has uh met a vampire that was at least a, a few hundred years old in new orleans really yep true story mm. true story See, that's who I want to meet. That's well, I, I want to hear. I want to have that interview with a vampire, pun intended. Right. right. Okay. Uh, I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to see what that's like and know what that's like. You know. I mean, immortality is something that is something that a lot of people wish for. You know, a lot of people have have uh, pushed for, and. Right. We've never strove to to get it because humanity. We have a time limit. We have a a lifespan, you know. But I mean, right. the fact that I, you know, I look back from the time when I was a kid watching the old Highlander movies, you know, where you had to uh, cut the head off of a immortal in order to survive every time the quickening came around, every so many hundred That's years. Right. You know, but I do believe, I want to believe, there's two things I want to believe. I want to believe there's time travelers, and I want to believe that there are immortals out there. Well, I I think we should discuss this a little bit more because this actually is a pretty cool subject. So what we're talking about is the idea of somebody that has broken up the natural rhythm of things because as terrible as death is, it's a, a natural avenue by which our biological bodies travel, right? There's actually something sacredness in the act of, of death, right? It's that passage into something else. So what happens then from almost a pseudo-religious point of view is vampires are in constant purgatory, right? They cannot change their status in any way. They have to live in the shadows. They can never be mainstreamed in any way. So it would be... A, a, a blessing in a way that they don't have to fear death or fear disease, but it'll also be a tremendous curse because anybody they come in contact with, any kind of bond that they try to make will be lost. I mean, they'll outlive this person. And there is something to be said about the loneliness that a, a vampire would have to inhabit that kind of world in which it would have to inhabit. Yeah. I mean, you could never get married. You could never, you know, you gotta you gotta do your own survival first, right? That's right, right, right. You That's can't right. worry about humanity. You can't worry about things. You don't have time for that, right? You don't have. Well, you have all the time for that, but you can't because you don't have the the, the luxury or the freedom to do that. That's the problem, right? Your your free will is gone. 
See, you kind of you kind of given in. So you are no longer human, right? You have given up that which makes us human, the idea of free will and the idea of love and the idea of of of, of seeing children being born and eventually dying as well. You've given up all that kind of stuff uh, to become, you know, something that is is monstrous. Uh, the more we think about it. And there's also the idea of religion that comes into play, what they believe, how they see, you know, the world around them, how God fits into their world, if if, it, if God fits into their world at all. So there's a lot to be said. And I would definitely like to interview a vampire as well. Five minutes to go before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. The crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, is here tonight. Guru, what about, you know, if we're talking about immortality or or time travelers or something along those lines, do you think that there are people from other worlds here? I'm not saying aliens. I'm not saying little greys or anything like that. But do you think that there are people caught on our timeline that may not know where they are? Wow, yeah, those are... I again, not to sound like the conspiracy person, but there is something going on in the life story of uh, Tesla. Absolutely. So, whatever was going on in that guy's world was out of sync with the way the natural time timeline goes. Okay, uh, he was doing things and thinking things up whenever really humankind didn't have the right to do that. He was well above. Uh, the, the, the learning curve, right? He was well beyond that. And it was almost as if he was revealed this technology in some way. So that's one of the things that I have as to one of the problems. The other problem is this, um, and it's simply about flight, okay? So um, you want me to believe that two bicycle makers from Dayton, Ohio, went down to Kill Devil Hills in North Carolina and they, 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 they flew a plane, right, a, a, a powered plane, uh, a powered flight that was less than the distance of the wings of a 747, right? That's what you want me to believe. That's great. Leonardo da Vinci was trying to do that. People have been trying to do that for a thousand years, right? So that's, that's plausible. But then the next step is what you're wanting to believe. And then you're saying... Less than 70 years later, we put a person on the moon, right? That's a lifespan, right? Somebody could have been watching Orville and Wilbur taking off on this plane that was powered by a bicycle. And before they died, they could watch on their television somebody landing on the moon. There is such a shift in that kind of technology that in my mind, again, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an aerospace engineer or anything like that. But something is odd that within that brief period of time, something like that could have happened. So, are we talking about time travel? Are we talking about you know, um, you know, looking at alien spacecraft? Whatever the case may be, something happened in that particular time span that I don't think can be explained away. Hmm. Mm. Mm, that's why What's you're the your guru, man. Yeah. That, see, that's the whole thing. It's like, hey, you know, I can understand when we understand the, the power of flight and the power of lift and everything like that. But, you know, gosh darn it, man. I, 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 it, it doesn't just seem plausible. It, it really doesn't seem plausible how you could go to that kind of leap that quickly. Makes you wonder. 
<laughs> Ron J. I'm glad to see he must be a big fan of bicycle mechanics. And bicycle mechanics can build anything, right? So the human ingenuity is there, right? We are people. We're capable of doing some amazing things. I'm just saying, though, that from taking your bicycle and then putting it on the moon within 70 years seems a little bit hard to swallow. I love the name Plymouth Puckwudgie in our chat tonight. What do you know about Puckwudgies? I was just... Okay, so this is going to be fun. We don't have a lot of time. We got one minute. I was just... We'll do it next time. Well, let's just get into it. We got a minute skill. Okay, minute. So uh, I was just at the Bridgewater Triangle. We could talk about that next uh, uh, next half hour. Uh, Puck wedges is one of my favorite uh, my favorite creatures out there. Entities, cryptids, whatever you want to talk about them. Uh, but uh, I was I was looking for them over the summertime in the swamps and in the forest of the uh, Bridgewater Triangle in Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, from the the Wampanoag language, right? So this is goes back to the Native Americans, the First Nation people up in that area. They predate uh, any kind of uh, uh, European settlers by hundreds of years. Probably part of the oral tradition up there for at least a thousand years before that. And uh, they were the givers of culture, right? Uh, they 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 taught the Native Americans how to live off the land, how to hunt. Yet they were also tricksters. They also had magical qualities. Uh, and then the settlers come over, and uh, they seem to have uh, been pushed into uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. But what's so interesting, oh, I hear music. I hear music. Bridgewater Triangle up next with the crypto guru Ronald Murphy on Spaced Out Radio Monsters, Legends, and Folklore tonight. You can find all of the guru's books on Amazon at Ronald L. Murphy Jr., We will be right back. Just give me one second here, Ron, because I got to give a big shout out to uh, Roy Washington in our chat room. We call him Super Quest around here. Uh, He uh, battled some health issues over the last uh, couple of months and hadn't been able to get into the chat room. He's a big man. He's a strong man, a very proud man. And uh, I like to call him a friend, and he has one hell of a great podcast out of Milwaukee. And uh, to see him getting healthy and and back in here with us, that that just warms my heart, man. Warms my heart, uh, Roy, that you're back. Thank you for that, my man. Uh, and I, that's all out of love, man. All out of love. You're a good man, Dave. Don't make me cry. Don't make me cry, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening there guru you know what I'm, I'm finally catching up on all the people in the chat it was coming fast and furious there for a second um but uh yeah no no it's all good man it's all good um before the last half hour is up i do want to tell i i'm going to be in a couple places tomorrow as a matter of fact so I'm looking about promoting a couple of things. So keep that in mind for the last half hour because I do want to talk about that. Oh, we can uh, we can figure that out for sure. Heck yeah! Doing a couple ghost tours coming up here uh, in my neck of the woods, and I know that there's people out there in my neck of the woods that listen to you too. So let's see what we can do here. Yeah, for sure, man. For Everywhere sure. I go, no matter where. I mean, I'm talking about a you know. 
little conferences in the middle of nowhere to big conferences in big cities, everybody or at every one of these conferences, somebody invariably comes up and says, I know you from uh, Space Out Radio. Really? That's nice Absolutely. to hear. It is. It really is good. Yep. Yep, it's a good thing to do. Very You're nice a popular guy out there, brother. It's very nice to hear. Uh-huh. How many minutes do we have? Uh, we've got about uh, three and a half, four. All right. I've got to get a drink quickly. Is that okay? Can yeah, I you go right ahead, quick? man. I'll hang out here. All right, thank you, Actually, buddy. I'll take a quick break, too. I'll be right back. All right. It sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Guru. All righty. want to remind everybody they can join our SOR Space Travelers Club by heading to Patreon. And for as low as five bucks a month, the link is listed down below in the chat description or in the show description. And thank you tonight to Louie, T-Bone, Jennifer, Lydia, and Mennonite Abe 
for the great super chats. Who else do we got here? Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it. That's about it. We're caught up. We are caught up. And we're going to get going here in 15 seconds. Remember, if you want really cool swag, you want some nice shirts and stuff, head over to spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. You're going to want to wear our stuff. Here we go. Hour number two. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Second hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet, we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, talk stream live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Halix. Halix is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join the Space Travelers Club by heading on over to Patreon. Now, hour two of Spaced Out Radio with the crypto guru, the Ronald Murphy Jr., and you can get all of his books on Amazon right now or wait until after the show because. That would be better. Then you'll miss stuff if you go right now. Guru, we're talking about yes. the Blackwater Triangle, puck wedgies. People want to know, what is a puck wedgie? You know, it's called the Bridgewater Triangle, although the Blackwater Triangle sounds pretty cool. Or as Bridgewater. Well, so. I apologize. Well, I apologize. That's okay. That's okay. So puck wedgie uh-huh. is probably as close as we could get to calling them a member of the Fae or the Fairies or the Elementals. In European tradition, which is interesting because the root of the word puck wedgie, that puck, is a um, is a uh, derivation of a word that means fairy in the British vernacular as well, too, where we get Shakespeare's character from Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. So it's very odd that two different cultures that had no connection regarding the naming of these kind of things come up with something similar, right? So the puck wedgie is a very diminutive creature. It's humanoid in shape, sometimes depicted as having long hair. Um, They were the givers of culture. They were also capable of magic and shape-shifting. They were considered, you know, friends to the Native Americans at one time. Then, you know, as according to traditions, so often in folklore from around the world, uh, mankind loses their trust, usually through an act of violence. And then these creatures that once lived within our world is now at war with us and they live in the periphery 
uh, of our world, usually in the woods or in deserts or swamps or what have you. And uh, instead of helping us, they're now to be feared. Uh, they would waylay us as travelers on back roads at night. Uh, they would steal our children. Uh, you know, they so they become um, uh, an anti-hero uh, in some respects. Uh, if you look at the Pukwudgie, and you also look at the Menehune in, in Hawaii, very, very similar beings as well, too. Uh, so what do we make of this, right? The reason why I was up at the Bridgewater Triangle is because to this very day, people still report encounters with the Pukwudgies, right? They're seen, you know, whenever they're out walking their dogs or they're seen when they're, they're hiking in the woods. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the breadth of industries that call it home. But when it's time for your business to make the extraordinary happen, Albert Monero of Limitless Solutions said it best. Orlando is an incredible place for innovation. And when work wraps for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Robin of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. At Casper, we love all things sleep, so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers, well, everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See casper.com slash promo. And something comes up to them that is, you know, two, three foot tall, uh, sometimes covered in hair, sometimes not. And they will motion for the person to come and follow them and sometimes even make some sort of attempt at verbalization to convince the person to come with them. And we hear this time and time again in a lot of legends and folklore out there as well, too, about a dog man knocking at somebody's door or calling them by name or hearing their name out in the woods whenever you talk about, um, you know, a shapeshifter of some kind, right? Or whenever you hear Bigfoot uh, mocking speech. So you have this connectivity with a puck wedgie with so many different things, you know, and um, yeah, it, it's just an interesting creature that people are still seeing and interacting with. And it's usually this, this little being, this diminutive creature trying to convince the person to come into their world. They meet them in some sort of liminal zone. They beat them, you know, in a grove in the forest or they meet them on a road between, you know, uh, you know, housing developments and the woods as well, too. So the meeting usually happens in some sort of neutral area and the creature is trying to convince the human to come into his world. Weird. So at the Bridgewater Triangle, what is going on there? What makes it so suspicious? Well, what what I was so uh, curious about is because I've known so many things that have happened here before and I've studied them. So we're talking about portals opening up. We're talking about, um, uh, you know, people seeing giant snakes, uh, uh, Bigfoot, um, UFOs, sometimes all at one time. So it's the realm of monsters, right? It's almost as if this is a catalyst that our nightmares derive from, okay? 
But what I found so disarming about the Bridgewater Triangle is that how populated it is, right? There's a Bridgewater Triangle shopping mall, and there's grocery stores, and there's a high school within there as well, too. So it's not like it's some sort of area that is just, you know, inhospitable, you know, even though there's swamps in there and everything, it's still very much a very alive inhabited place. Um, and I think a lot about the Chestnut Ridge here that I've been, you know, investigating for uh, the majority of my life. Um, something is special about these places. And again, coming back full circle to when we were talking about earth energies, I think it has so much to do with earth energies. Um, we don't talk enough in the paranormal field about the idea or the notion of ley lines. I think that's very important. Um, in Europe, that is discussed a lot. Um, they have a more, I think, uh, a fundamental uh, reverence for the land itself. Uh, any agricultural uh, society does. But um, in, in England, you know, they understood that these places were sacred in and of themselves. So that's why Stonehenge was built there. And that's why uh, Avebury was built there. But not only that, we also go to see whatever religion starts to uh, coagulate in, in, in human society. And we see pagan temples being erected on the sites of these ley lines. And I think that whenever we see these sacred sites pockmarked with, 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 with things that have been erected, those are the PowerPoints of these particular ley lines. So the ancients knew this, so they would build, you know, pagan temples there. And then whenever Catholicism took over the island, they knew that these places also had power, so they would build their churches on top of these pagan sites, not only to usurp the heathen beliefs, the beliefs, but also to claim the power that was, you know, invested in these areas as their own as well. So I think that if we trace the, trace trace the dots, that we see that we people did know that these places were sacred and they did have power. But that's not all. I mean, look at the United States. Whenever we have things like the Athegy Mounds and the Native American build, uh, Indian Mounds. We had a great mound-building culture here in the eastern side of the United States. And uh, and we see these great Athegy Mounds and these great burial mounds uh, that have been erected. But not only is that the site of, of ancient Indian habitation, even to this day, that's where you'll find dogman sightings or Bigfoot sightings or UFO sightings. So something is going on with these power points within the earth themselves. Is it a way for, again, you know, lack of a better word, is it a way for these portals to open to allow things in and out of our world? Is this the power source that enables things from the other side to break that threshold and come into our world? I don't know, but I think that's something worthy of investigation. Are people being harassed Murdered by these creatures? Oh, I, I with I, I I would say absolutely. If these creatures are out there, and I'm not even talking about flesh and blood creatures, people go missing all the time, right? And Pilates has a, a great series on this missing four one one. But even so, more than that, if we just look through the you know the archival record, we know that people vanish, and airplanes vanish, and ships vanish. And all this kind of weird stuff happens. And it seems as if a person is erased off the face of the earth. And that doesn't make a lot of sense. 
or there have also been tales told of people that have vanished and ended up in far-flung places like Australia, which is a true story as well, too. Um, so there's something going on within our Earth, you know, wormholes, uh, dimension shifts, what have you. Uh, but I do believe uh, that it is something that is, you know, and, and this is, you know, m- my research that's naturally occurring. And I do believe it's measurable and maybe even down the road controllable. Hmm. The reason I say controllable is because a few years ago, uh, somebody was telling a story about a gentleman that had a Tesla coil in his home. Now, there's nothing illegal about having a Tesla coil. Anybody could put one together with a little bit of ingenuity and some money and everything like that. But um, the problem came about that whenever this gentleman would activate his Tesla coil, something seemed to manifest out of that energy. Uh, People talked about the guy would turn it on, come downstairs, and you would hear footsteps on the floor above them where the Tesla coil was held, right? And uh, this happened one particular time, and the next day, government officials showed up at his home to take it away. So, I mean, these are strange, strange things that are said to happen uh, but, and, and again, how would they even know what was going on unless it was being monitored somehow? But I think that energy is also, is, is really a key in all this kind of stuff. And I think that energy can be used to transport matter. Um, and it can also be used to uh, bend time and space as well. There are so many different triangles. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, the Bridgewater Triangle. The Alaskan Triangle. There's a triangle in Nevada. Of course, the famous Bermuda Triangle. What is with all these triangles, Guru? Yeah, Dogman Triangle, all this kind of stuff. I think it's a way to neatly encompass um, areas that are usually off limits. It's, It's demarcation, right? So even Stonehenge, to bring up Stonehenge again, you have these these great sarsen stones that act as a gateway to keep you beyond the sacred inner bluestones, right? So there's that separation between different worlds there as well, too. And um, I think that when we as human beings, we because we like to control things, and by laying down a, a grid on, on the map and calling it a triangle, whatever, you know, we say, first of all, we acknowledge it's there so we can kind of comprehend what's going on there. Even though we don't know the forces behind it, we understand something unusual happens there, number one. And number two, it acts as a do not enter, uh, beware, here be dragons type of thing as well, too. So it acts as a warning as well. But the more you look at it, the more you see triangles popping up all over the place. And there is sacred symbolism in triangles. But I know for a fact that uh, the Bridgewater Triangle was coined by um, by Lauren Coleman. And this was at a time whenever the Bermuda Triangle was taking a lot of uh, uh, publicity. It was pretty big at the time. And um, uh, one of the reasons why he did it was to piggyback off of uh, the uh, popularity of the Bermuda Triangle. But it also made sense because these towns in which he uh, marked off within that triangle up in Bridgewater had the most kind of um, uh, encounters and, and supernatural and paranormal activities happening within those places. All right. From triangles to your favorite hauntings, because it is Halloween season. Yes. 
What yes. what do you love about hauntings? A good haunting, not not a just a haunted house, but a, a high quality haunting that's going to scare the daylights out of you. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of things about hauntings scare me, even if they're friendly ghosts, because there's some reason why they're there. There's a visit being made for whatever reason, and uh, I do have the story of a haunted house that I actually lived in, okay? So I wrote a book, uh, I guess it's been about uh, nine years ago, entitled On Ghosts. And I never really was into the world of ghosts uh, until I moved into this particular house. Um, Everything was going well. It was a big house. um, And, uh, you know, everything was going well for a while until things weren't going well for a while. Um, my- At Casper, we love all things sleep, so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers, well, everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See casper.com slash promo. Experience the joy of home sweet hosting with help from Ashley. Get your home ready for company with guest approved essentials now starting at just $9.99.99. And right now you can save on accessories store wide to finish every look. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only. Visit your local Ashley store to shop and save today. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required, minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery required. See store for details daughter uh in her bedroom toys would start going off in the middle of the night i remember one toy that she had was a flashlight in the shape of i believe it was a triceratops or something but you had to pull the trigger and whenever you pull the trigger the mouth opened and a flashlight came out and when the flashlight came out it would make a roar as well okay and i remember one time it must have been one o'clock in the morning and i hear this sound And I creep into my daughter's bedroom, and sure enough, the toy was laying on the floor with the mouth open, the light shining up against the wall, and the roar going on. So something had to manipulate that to turn it on. So I'm thinking faulty batteries, what have you, okay? I'm trying to explain away what force had to be placed on that trigger to open up the mouth. I was trying to think that out, had no idea. I put it down on faulty batteries, right? A couple days later, my daughter comes into my bedroom. She's crying because there was something standing at the foot of her bed that was a shadow figure, and it was wearing a hat. She definitively mentioned that it had a hat. And, um, of course, I'm still skeptical, right? You know, ghosts really aren't my thing. I don't pay much attention to it until they start making nightly visitations with to her, and she won't stay in her room anymore, Okay. And then uh, my my wife at the time, my, my ex-wife now, she would be downstairs watching television and she would think that I was coming downstairs and she would see the figure coming down the staircase and then stopping to pause as if looking into the room and then it would just simply vanish, okay? Again, these are, these, this is a new house, it's an old house, uh, and obviously, they're making these things up. They're seeing shadows. They're not used to seeing whatever the case may be. Until I was downstairs 
watching television and I see the figure walking down the stairs as well, too. Oh it walks down the stairs and it does not get to the bottom of the stairs. It gets to about, you know, halfway down the stairs. You could not see a face. You could not really make out anything besides a human shape. But for some way, intuitively, I could tell that it turned to face me, even though it had no body. But I could tell that it was at least looking at me, right? And whenever I looked back at it, it vanished, okay? It, it, it wasn't like a sudden turn off the thing. It was kind of like it just faded uh, out of being. So at that point, I knew that something was, was going on. Something was amiss. So these shadow figures are now a nightly thing, okay? And then one day I'm sitting, and I'm actually writing a book. This is whenever I'm starting writing on ghosts because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. So, you know, one of the ways that I solve my problems is by writing about it. So I'm writing on ghosts, and um, it's, it's in the daytime, and I hear glass breaking. And I look outside, and my car's window that's parked in my yard the glass is broken out. So, of course, I call the cops and everything, and they come over. And uh, as the cop's making out his police report, he says, you know your window was broken from the inside out of your car, right? I said, I had no idea. But so now things are getting a little bit more violent, right? We had uh, um, the uh, fire department over there because there were starting to become gas leaks within our house. Uh, we had to have plumbing dug up. There was like a lot of just weird things going on in the house. And then I was outside. This was fall. Uh, the the incidences started to happen in summer. And now we're, we're in fall. So we're probably about in October at this point. And I'm sitting out on my porch and I'm writing on ghosts of all things. And I'm on a, a swing. My kids are playing. They're playing with the neighborhood kids. And um because I have five kids, I very rarely get a lot of time to write, but this is one of those times I was afforded some time to write. And I noticed that the kids are running around the house playing tag or whatever. And the one little boy from across the street keeps on looking up to me because I'm writing, you know, and then he starts slowing down as he, he keeps on circling the house. And then I see him out of the corner of my eye, walking up my stairs. And without asking me, he takes a seat beside me on the swing. And I thought, Oh geez, he's going to start asking questions about nonsense things, and I'm not going to get any writing done, and I really want to get writing done. So um, he looks at me. I can tell from my peripheral view he's looking at me, but I don't want to make eye contact because I don't necessarily want to have a conversation. And he says to me, I remember I'm not even looking at him. I'm writing my story. He says to me, he goes, your house is haunted. Immediately it was like a shining type of moment, you know. Uh, I, I look at him and I said, What was that, buddy? And he goes, Your house is haunted. And I'm sitting there writing a book on ghosts about my experiences. And this little boy from across the street, who's not even old enough to read, is telling me that my house is haunted. I said, How do you know that? He said, Sometimes at night I get up and I look out my window and I can see them in your yard. I thought, well, this is getting kind of crazy, okay? So this is October. Things quickly accelerate to the point that people are getting pushed down the steps. There is some violence going on. You know, uh, my, my, my relationship with my wife is falling apart completely. Uh, there's animosity. Everybody's fighting with each other in the house and everything. So I thought, you know, I've worked with a lot of psychics in my life. So I decided to call one up. And this one lady who I know from, from Massachusetts 
She looks the part as well, too. This wild kind of uh, white hair and everything like that. She said, sure, I'll come over and take a look at what's going on in your house. So she came over and she opened up, you know, cupboards and closets and everything else like that. And then she came and sat down at our dining room table. And she said, um, there are two ghosts in your house. Oh, geez. And they said, she said, the one that is causing all the problems is the good one. Because it wants you to get out of the house so the bad one doesn't get to you first. Now, this starts really kind of scaring me, right? Again, more and more things are going on. We need to leave. So I'm at work one day, and my wife said, I will go pack up the house. Um, So we had an antique um, uh, dining room table that was quite heavy. And she was telling me, she goes, you know, how am I going to get that thing taken apart? Because I can't do it apart myself. And I said, well, wait till I get home from work and I'll help you. And a couple hours later, she calls me and she's very frantic. And she said, I came into the house to get things packed up. And the dining room table was already flipped over and the legs were already taken off of it. So whatever was going on in that house led me down this this this, this corridor and down this kind of road about what exactly the nature of ghosts are and everything. And um, and that's why my book on ghosts was written. If it was the time in that house and I was trying to make sense of what was going on, I thought, well, let me look at the history of ghosts and the idea of these spirits, these entities haunting locations is as old as humanity, right? I mean, that's part of who we are. And uh, it was just uh, fascinating, but it was also terrifying. And I will tell you, it's something you don't want to go through ever. I mean, it, it will give you PTSD. And if I were allowed to dwell on it right now, it would probably allow me not to sleep tonight as well, too. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, and uh, But that was really you know, what got me into ghosts. And we continue with the stories from the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy, on Spaced Out Radio. What a night of radio it is with the guru. You can get any of his books on Amazon under Ronald L. Murphy Jr. I'm sure you do. Spaced Out Radio continues with the second half right after this. There we go. Ross Dogs, how you doing, buddy? I'll give you the old hat. What's <coughs> hmm. up there, Guru? I'll tell you what, it's flying by. We have another, what, 29 minutes to go. <coughs> we do. And the heat just cranked up in my place, so I'm opening a window now. Oh, fresh air. Oh, yes. Heat out. I have my window slightly cracked as well, too. Well, what is the temperature there now up there in your neck of the woods? Uh, let's see what it is right now. Right now, it's about 10 degrees Celsius. What is that about? Forty-five? Yeah, about there. Oh no, that's for tomorrow. All Hold right. on. Oh, Monday scattered flurries. Wednesday snow. Thursday oh. snow. 
Friday snow. Oh, for fuck's sakes. Wow. Um, let's view the 14-day forecast, shall we? Now, will your son go trick-or-treating up there? Oh, yeah. Up here, there's actually, believe it or not, nobody gives a care about your age up here. It's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Poncho Zorch, welcome. Charlie, don't surf. How you doing? <laughs> At Casper, we love all things sleep, so we thought it would be fitting to make a sale that covers well everything. Save up to 25% on mattresses and up to 50% on everything else you need for better sleep at casper.com or a store near you through October 24th. Exclusions apply. See casper.com slash promo. Experience the joy of home sweet hosting with help from Ashley. Get your home ready for company with guest approved essentials now starting at just $9.99.99. And right now you can save on accessories store wide to finish every look. Plus, take advantage of low monthly payments with 60 month special financing in store only. Visit your local Ashley store to shop and save today. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery required. See store for details. My state will not see snow on the all season. I'll send you some. I got six months of the white shit coming. Do you do any hunting up there, Dave? Somebody just said about uh, I'm going tomorrow. Going, going tomorrow. Nice. I don't hunt. I don't have a gun. I don't have my hunting license. I, I, I'm, I'm my buddy's spotter. There you go. Yeah. So tomorrow we're going for grouse and a deer. Nice. Yeah. 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 I haven't hunted since my dad passed away, but, uh, I do enjoy it. I do like to get out there. I like to take my gun hiking. Paradox Fossils, how you doing? Yeah, I, I'm going to get my... I keep saying it every year, but uh, every year I get more and more convinced. I was brought up in a house where, you know, like where I lived growing up in in the suburbs, you, you didn't need a gun. Mm-hmm, sure. You know, and <clears throat> up here... You do need a gun. Mm. You know? And uh, and so... Uh, I'm sure this guy covered the Colorado Bigfoot already, damn it. No, we haven't covered we'll, it. We'll have to cover that. We'll have to talk about that. So, I mean, I like, give me an example, Ron. A couple weeks ago... I went outside during one of the breaks and I got growled at by a bear in my backyard. Oh my right? goodness. Oh. Right. And oh. <clears throat> it happens. You know, and you get mountain lion up there too. Yeah. I've, ha- I've been growled at by a mountain lion in my backyard. 
It's your backyard too. That's the whole thing. Yeah, like literally my backyard. You know. Um got lots of deer here. So Does it take much to get your hunting license up in Canada? The heart you have to take a weekend course here. Okay. For your firearms license and your hunting license. And then okay. it has it takes months to get approved by the federal government. <clears throat> then once you they approve you, you take your license and that's when you can uh buy your rifle and or shotgun and get going. We got three seconds, Ron. Hold on. All right. Second half of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. We got the guru here until the top of the hour. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for tuning in to Spaced Out Radio tonight. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join us in the Space Travelers Club on Patreon. Here we go with the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy. We have until the top of the hour. Guru, uh, what did you think of that Colorado Bigfoot video? I'll tell you, anytime a Bigfoot video comes up, I'm at the edge of my seat because I'm hoping, against hope, that somebody has captured that holy grail, the thing that we've been looking for, you know, uh, since the Patterson-Gimlin film. Now, at first, I will tell you, I thought that it looked absolutely pristine. It looked like something moving out there. And whenever it sat down, it blended in remarkably well. It looked like it was built for that environment, the camouflage and everything. But then... The cl- more closely I looked at the video, I thought I recognize that style someplace. I've seen that that particular Bigfoot someplace. So then it started to make me believe that what we were dealing with then was some sort of costume. Although, if that was a mass-produced costume, it's either a great costume or somebody had to doctor it up a little bit. But the idea that people are going by on a train and this thing is seen walking and then it kind of squats down, great setup. But I think if it's a if it's an animal, if it's an elusive animal, um, and it walks whenever there's like a train going by, then we'd have a lot more footage of that. So I think what was going on there, it was a uh, you know a, a well conceived hoax. Uh, it was a great premise, but I think if there was a Bigfoot there because it it, it blended in so well with that kind of scrubland in which it was filmed, that why wouldn't it have just stayed put and why did it get up and move anyways? Uh, whenever that train came through. And I think when we look at a lot of these Bigfoot, uh, these videos, the animal doesn't act as a, uh, as, as a creature of the woods. Uh, instead of fleeing into the, into the background, into the wood line, it always walks 
you know, perpendicular to the woods so you can capture it on film uh, for those few seconds. Um, that's my problem with, with, with these things that, uh, you know, even whenever you look at deer, very rarely will they bolt out into the open. You know, they, they will try to get uh, to, the, to the safety and the shelter of the trees as quickly as possible. And there's a lot of good Bigfoot film out there that's showing what looks like a bipedal creature moving in and near tree lines, but not in the tree lines. So I become very, very doubtful that that's what we're seeing on that is a Bigfoot. Um, but they do make great money shots whenever it comes to uh, uh, reality TV. And again, like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, uh, you can see photographs and see uh, videotape that have been um, uh, declared hoaxes uh, in the past decade uh, being rerun on a lot of these paranormal shows with the experts on there claiming that this is indeed actual evidence of a flesh and blood Bigfoot. I, you know, I, again, it's the idea of, of being on there and uh, uh, wanting to make your money. So, you know, you have to stay in, uh, in uh, uh, relevance. So uh, uh, everything they throw on these shows, nobody's sitting there and debunking them or analyzing them. They just simply put them off and say, yep, what we got here is a Bigfoot. And that does, that's a, a complete disservice. Well, I think there was a, a an RV company or something like that that came out and, and stated that that was their promo person walking through as Sasquatch is their uh, is their uh, mascot kind well, of thing. Right. So you know, at first I'm like you, man. I thought it was real, and then the closer I, I examined it, the legs just looked like pants. Yep, that's right. And that that's was right. the giveaway yeah. for me. Uh, you know, I. But you know what, Ron? Even if we did have that new smoking gun Patterson Gimlin film, mm-hmm. I wouldn't release it if I had it. I would. Oh, no, I've heard a lot of people talk about that. Let's. Uh, I do you know what? Yeah. Let's remind the audience here, because you and I once met a gentleman who had fairies in his yard, and he had incredible footage. And I introduced you to him, and we both had a conversation about him, just saying, slow down, let's get this, let's analyze these, let's get some investigators over to your place, check this out, make sure everything is real. And he went haywire, putting his videos out all over the place of these incredible fairies, and he got so ridiculed by the community that he was faking. Nobody's heard from him in years. We have not heard. Actually, it was so, uh, the evidence he had was so astounding that you and I were making plans of getting together and going out to his place together because it was, he was in Calgary, wasn't he? Or someplace Winnipeg. along those lines. Winnipeg, right. So we were, we were actually to the point where we were going to go meet him and, uh, you know, analyze this evidence in person. Uh, but like you said, we don't know what happened to him. I, I've reached out to him a number of times, and apparently the email and the phone number that I had for him uh, is no longer operational. So it's been about five years, I think, four years since I tried to get in touch with him. So I have no idea what happened to him, if, if somebody you know came to him, or if he just went off the deep end and said, I'm done. But uh, yeah, absolutely, that's something that should not have been made um, uh, uh, common knowledge without the proper introduction for that. Absolutely. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think you got to be protective of any video footage that you capture? 
I do think that there are people out there that don't want this stuff disseminated. I think there, there are people out there that know or at least have some sort of knowledge that we don't that these things are out there and, and at least a generalized idea of what their makeup is. And they are trying to keep the truth from us because they, being uh, the government or people in power, they don't want us to act in a way they predict that they, we would act, right? You know, mobs or whatever, you know, tearing down the government fabric or whatever. But I don't think that would necessarily happen. But I think that that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect us from ourselves uh, and uh, and kind of spoon feed us uh, their versions of stories. Uh, but I think that's pretty unfair. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Even what you said about the uh, the Bigfoot film. If anybody does come up with absolutely uh, you know credible evidence, uh, you can't just say, "Hey, I'm going to go to you know 60 minutes or something like that." It's going to have to be something that is very very well planned out, and there's going to be people that are involved. You know, so you don't end up dead or missing or what have you. Because I truly think that would happen. I, I, I really think it would. And I'm not talking about necessarily a shadow government. I'm talking there's a lot of very, very bad people out there, and weird people out there that uh, would take a shot at you uh, for, for less than that. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely mm. agree. And I don't think with the way CGI and now AI is starting to come around, I don't think we'll ever see a high-quality video of a Sasquatch or a Dogman or any cryptid after that. That's kind of sad. It is sad, and uh, I my kids watch TikTok all the time, and there's one channel on there that has a great, great stories about uh, encounters with cryptids. And um, as I was reading through the comments, I found out that all these stories were AI-generated. I, I just assumed they were actual... Uh, stories, but no, they were all AI generated, so not one of them had any kind of uh, uh, semblance of reality to them. But th- that's the other thing. The other problem too is that people are going to start going to AI to come up with stories, and then these make believe stories are going to become part of our culture. So now we're telling and retelling stories that are artificially generated, although we're accepting them as face value, which is another sad thing too. Very true. Very true. All right, well, let's get into some Bigfoot stories that you do believe are real. Mm-hmm. Abe Canyon, man. Abe Canyon, you know, we'll talk about Halloween. That's still one of these very, very frightening stories to me. A group of miners go to a place called Ape Canyon, right? Uh, so named because, you know, people believe that there were apes inhabiting this particular area. Uh, again, this is the Pacific Northwest. It might be California. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I believe this is the 1930s. Um, and uh, as the story goes, they're at the mine, um, you know, they, where they, they made their claim. Um, they're encountered, they encounter some sort of Bigfoot-like creature uh, on their way back to their cabin. Uh, one is shot at, were shot and killed, what, what have you. Uh, the people get back to their cabin, and as soon as night falls, all hell breaks loose, right? Uh, there's creatures from uh, a ridgetop that are throwing rocks down into the cabin. They're trying to punch holes through the walls, trying to get in through the windows, trying to get in through the doors. Uh, the, 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 the miners are shooting at them throughout the night. This is actual warfare going on up here in, late, uh, in uh, Ape Canyon. And then, of course, the next day, uh, they, get, they hightail out there and go back to civilization. But one of the people that encountered these creatures 
uh, is uh, said that he did not believe that what they were dealing with necessarily was uh, flesh and blood animals, and they're talking that these things they encountered may indeed have been demons, in, in the words of one of the authors who was an eyewitness uh, to this particular incident. So if that's the case, you know, whenever you talk about this kind of warfare between people and these 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 Bigfoot creatures, was that really what was happening, or was there some sort of spiritual warfare going on. Either way, it's a very interesting story. But Ape Canyon has been one of those things that has fascinated me since I've been a kid and saw one of the reenactments on an In Search Of program. You know, it's one of those things that you fear. You have a cabin. You're, it's, it's your safety within this, this chaos of the wilderness around you. And all of a sudden, your only safe haven is under attack by the things that are on the outside trying to get in. What do you think Sasquatch is? Um, I think it is. Well, Dave, you like to put people on on, on the hot seat, don't you? Um, I always thought that it was a uh, a missing link, something you know uh, that we could reach out and touch. But the more I get into it, brother, the more I get into it, I'm thinking that this does have um, its origins in another place and another time altogether. And uh, whenever we see these things, um, it's almost gifting itself to you to see it. It's not like uh, it's it's by chance. And not only that, uh, but I think that we are dealing with something far more than just a relic hominid or, you know, a misidentified ape. I think that we're dealing with something um, possibly even more spiritual uh, than that. And I think we have to look at the Native American um, understanding of these creatures, uh, especially in the Pacific Northwest area, where they are, um, are are basically entities that straddle two worlds at once. Um, they kind of act as the mouthpiece uh, for the world around them. Uh, they're sacred. Uh, they're there to protect the world around them. They're kind of like the poster children for the forests. Um, and uh, I think that we need to start seeing them through that lens. Even the Yeti. Uh, in, the Himal- in the Himalayas is seen as a spiritual figure, you know, something that's not so much, you know, uh, a beast of the wilderness, although it has the propensity to come and to kill your livestock or even to kill you, you know, it has the ability to do that. Uh, but for the most part, its sole purpose is to be that conduit between two worlds. Yeah. I'm, I'm still leaning towards that. There's something special with this, with Sasquatch. Yeah. I don't know if it's being interdimensional or, or something along those lines, but it's it acts a lot more than just flesh and blood. That's for sure. 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 And there's cases of bilocation whenever this creature is seen at two different places at the same time. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, they're back in the 70s. Somebody reported that they were um, visiting um, one of their loved ones who was buried in the graveyard and there was a Sasquatch there in the graveyard. So they hurried up and went home. And whenever they got home in their backyard was the same Bigfoot. So it seems like it knows who you are. Uh, and it, it it almost has an omniscience to it. Um, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, uh, one Indian tribe uh, sees them as a psychopompus. That is the uh, conveyor of souls from this world to the next world. So they have a very spiritual sacred uh relevance to them 
Um, you know, some some native uh, populations see them almost in the same way we see fairies, you know, that you can't eat their food or you will be have to stay with them. Uh, you can't go into their world or there's a chance of you being trapped there because their world is so vastly different than our world. Um, so, yeah, it has so many different components to it. It really it really takes on a life of its own. And the only way you can really nail it down is by visiting that particular location because it changes uh, throughout the United States and Canada, or just simply adding your own perspective uh, on the thing. It's really that kind of a crapshoot. I agree. I agree. Are you over the years changing your own persona on whether or not the phenomena is all connected and interconnected rather than cryptids being separate from UFOs, being separate from aliens, being separate from consciousness, et cetera. Oh, sure. In the past, past two years, man, that's, that has been my, uh, my overriding um, uh, sea change, uh, that there's an interconnectivity here, uh, that there's no standalone. And one of the problems with researchers who go after Bigfoot if they get any other kind of evidence of anything else, they throw it away. You know, a ghost hunter doesn't want to hear about UFOs. A UFO investigator doesn't want to hear about Bigfoot for the most part. And uh, whenever they come out and they start researching these kind of things and there are red herrings thrown at them or incidences happen that doesn't make any sense to their schema of what's going on, then they throw it away and it does us a terrible disadvantage uh, to the field in which we are trying to get some sort of answers in. But yeah, I do think that there's interconnectivity uh, more so than I ever dreamed possible 20 years ago. And what solidified that for you? The earth lights, to tell you the truth, that was the thing that solidified it for me that whenever I was on investigations, whether it was looking for UFOs or ghosts or, or whatever, these earth lights, these lights seemed to be omnipresent. They, they were there and they're, 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 they're showing, you know, they're, they're, they're coming up, usually precipitated an event. So it was as if they coincided with what was going on. And if indeed they are sentient, you know, they are indeed intelligent, uh, then there is that kind of interaction between us and another intelligent entity that very well occupies our planet and always has and maybe always had since the very beginning. And, uh, and that is what we have to negotiate with when we come to the that quasi-scientific area of trying to deal with what these creatures are. We got five and a half minutes before we have to say good night to you tonight, but give us your spookiest story. One that's creepy uh, out, one that you love to share around Halloween. Okay. That would be the tell of the witch. Okay. So, uh, and I told this a couple times before, or I told one other time on the show. Um, so, um, I was doing an investigation. Achieve your financial goals with Sunbelt Federal Credit Union. With just a $500 minimum deposit, you can access high-yield certificates. 10 months with 5.27% annual percentage yield, or 18 months with 5.33% annual percentage yield. Visit your nearest Sunbelt Federal Credit Union location and learn more at sunbeltfcu.org. That's sunbeltfcu.org. SFCU is federally insured by the National Credit Union Administration. 
As a roofer, I'm always on the go. So I need to be able to get things done from anywhere. That's why I partner with Beacon. With the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. It's like having my Beacon rep in my pocket 24-7. I rely on Beacon because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through November, purchase Certainty through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. At a place where a witch was burned at the stake, right? And um, her claim was that in 100 years uh, from that time of her death, she would send enough, enough water to quench the flames. And as it happened, 100 years from the date of her execution was the Johnstown flood. Okay, so where this happened, this is where I see a lot of the earth lights. This is where we were investigating the werewolf claims. This is where a lot of weird things happen. So I was down there on an investigation. Um, we uh, go to this one particular train tunnel where back in the early 1900s, several people killed, were killed because the train exploded. And um, a couple of the people that I were with, two of the females, went inside the train tunnel. They went through the, the gate that closed it off, and they went in there. And very quickly, we noticed these orbs that were dripping up from the ground. It looked as if like they were dripping from the ceiling, but they were actually coming up from the ground. You couldn't see it with the naked eye. You could only see it with the camera. And um, the orbs were swirling around the two women in there as if they were being evaluated. And the one orb actually landed on the one girl's face through our optics that we had uh, to the point that she complained that she had a headache. So it was from multiple views, multiple cameras. This orb was on her head. She, we could not see it with the naked eye, but she could definitely sense something was going on. So I thought, this is above my pay grade. We need to get out of here. We start going. By this time, it's pitch black outside. Um, and as we get to the crest of the ridge, we see these orbs again jumping back and forth the trail. Now, the orbs are reds and greens and yellows and blues, very vibrant colors, almost looks like LED lights. Um, we approach it. Um, they immediately go out, and then from the woods, you start hearing whispers. Uh, it sounded like a cacophony of voices that slowly picked up pace to the point that the whole woods were just filled with these very female-sounding whispers and chanting going on. We got out of there as quickly as we could. I feel myself being hauled backwards. The scarf that I had around my neck was now gone. Whatever took it, I don't care get to the car. One of the girls that we were with claimed that she had a burning sensation. She pulled up her shirt. She had scratch marks on it. It was an insane night, right? Uh, no way to make hide nor hair out of it. It was just an insanely active night, okay? So I'm thinking about all these instances when I'm going back home. I get to my house. I open up the door, and I immediately jump back because I see a light on in my house. I knew I didn't leave a light on. So I sneak on in, and I see in the uh, the kitchen, uh, the light that was emanating was my stove. All four burners were on. Now, remember, I was investigating a witch that supposedly was burned at the stake. So I turned off the, uh, the, 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 the uh, oven, hurry up and get back outside. I was smoking at the time. I had a quick cigarette get my nerves back and everything like that, take a dump, couple deep breaths, go into my house, go to hang up my coat, and there on the coat rack is the scarf that was pulled from me down at the place where we were investigating. So that was one of the places, you know, again, 
that is a scary thing. It's it, it frightens me even thinking about that now. But uh, that's one of the one of the instances that I have absolutely no. Um, I can't be a skeptic about it. I, I I don't know what happened. I have no idea. Something took a scarf off of me at a location that was about eighteen miles away from my house, and by the time I got back home, it was able to turn on all the burners on my stove and put my scarf back. How did you feel about that? How did it affect you? Violated. You know, that's truly how it is. Something knew about me and was able to give me a warning sign and telling me basically to keep out. And I felt uh, horribly, horribly violated by it. My goodness. My goodness. Guru, we got one minute left with you. Guys, if there's anybody in Western Pennsylvania tomorrow... Anybody, I will be speaking at the Derry Area Historical Society at 4 p.m. talking about haunted Westmoreland County, which is right in the shadow of the Chestnut Ridge where I do all my research, and then at 6 o'clock, and then at uh, 7.30, and then again at 9, I will be leading three ghost tours of Derry, Pennsylvania, looking for things that go bump in the night there. So be there tomorrow Four o'clock until nine PM. You don't have to stay the whole time. You can go in for one of these hour tours at any time. And then um, a week from today, Friday, I will be doing a reproduction of a Victorian seance in Blairsville, Pennsylvania. And after that, I will also be doing three ghost tours. The favorite one of mine will begin at midnight. So uh, that's that's you know, if you want to do something Halloweeny this weekend and you're in western Pennsylvania, stop by Derry tomorrow or Blairsville uh, next Friday or do them both. That would be awesome. Guru, we should mention that everybody can buy your books on Amazon under Ronald L. Murphy Jr. Yes. And you got a great number of books out there. Congratulations on your success. And we'll talk to you before the end of the year, my friend. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I love you guys. Have a good one. Coming up next... Steve Stockton from Among the Missing has a story about Mount Everest. Then, little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit, joins us for the UFO report, a jam-packed hour number three, coming up next on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Woohoo! Good show with the guru. Laura Del Pozo, welcome to SOR Chat. Beautiful. Beautiful show with the guru. I will be right back and uh, stick around. We got lots of show left.
How we doing? We got just over a minute to go. Little Timmy Senor dressed up like Sprockets from Saturday Night Live. Big thank you tonight to T-Bone Times 2, Louie, Jennifer, Linda, and Mennonite Abe for the Super Chats. It's a great way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis, so thank you very much. And of course, a big thank you to all of you who have hit subscribe and rang that bell this week. We very much appreciate it as we are drawing closer, 120 subscribers to go to till we reach our... 24,000, so we appreciate that very much as we continue to grow here. And don't forget, you can do some great shopping at spacedoutradio.com. We do not have ugly swag, people. We do not have ugly swag. It's one thing that I am very, very strict about. you like to connect with us head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info now back to dave scott and sor here we go with the third and final hour of spaced out radio tonight good to have you with us my name is dave scott your host of the most tinfoil being worn each and every night thank you to everyone tuning us in on our terrestrial affiliates around north america digitally on odyssey radio talk stream live and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Please join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do me the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Halix. Halix is your password. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as the Clam hits the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and you can join our Space Travelers Club on Patreon. All right, it is that time of the night where we say hello to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing YouTube channel for another creepy story. Hello, friends. Welcome to Among the Missing YouTube channel on Spaced Out Radio. I'm Steve Stockton, and I'm about to take you on an unbelievable journey of people just like you. Their stories and encounters will haunt us on Among the Missing. George Lee Mallory and Andrew Sandy Irvine went missing from Mount Everest in 1924. Two British mountaineers, George Lee Mallory and Andrew Sandy Irvine, disappeared while trying to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Mallory was an accomplished rock climber who had demonstrated his abilities as a high-altitude climber on previous expeditions to Everest in 1921 and 1922. On the other hand, Irvine lacked experience in Himalayan and high-altitude climbing, but was skilled at repairing the oxygen equipment used by the British climbers at high elevations. Mallory made two unsuccessful attempts to climb above 28,125 feet without extra oxygen, 
but during his third expedition, he understood their benefits. Irvine's skills in repairing equipment and his lightweight oxygen system played a vital role. Regrettably, their oxygen tanks proved to be unreliable, with a total of 38 leaks occurring that year. On June 6, 1924, Mallory and Irvine began their climb from the top of North Call at 23,100 feet after having 10 sardines for breakfast. Their objective was to reach the summit within three days, and they borrowed a camera from Howard Somerville. Noel O'Dell, a geologist, spotted Mallory and Irvine climbing the second step of the mountain skyline on June 8th. Despite being at a lower altitude than anticipated, Odell was confident that they would reach the summit. However, a snow squall hit the upper slopes, and upon reaching the high camp, Odell discovered fragments of oxygen equipment in Mallory and Irvine's tent. Irvine was getting their oxygen canisters ready before embarking on their summit attempt. Regrettably, Odell never laid eyes on them again. Odell spent the entire night searching for any signs of life above him when he returned to the North Call. Unfortunately, he did not find any. It took him two days to climb back to Mallory and Irvine's last camp, but he had little hope of finding his fellow climbers. No one had returned to the tent, which forced the expedition to accept that Mallory and Irvine were gone forever. The summit was thought to be close at hand before news of their tragic end was revealed. They had set out from Camp 6, situated at a height of 26,700 feet, and were steadily making their way towards their goal. With their expertise, it was expected that they would exceed the previous record of 28,000 feet. Dr. Theodore Howard Somerville, who personally achieved an altitude of 28,000 feet on Mount Everest, stated that the air is very thin at 27,000 feet. To move even one step forward, one must take 10 deep breaths due to the lack of oxygen. Dr. Somerville explained that the fatigue experienced when taking a single step is similar to that of running a 100-yard dash at top speed at sea level. After Mallory and Irvine's failed expedition, there were doubts about the possibility of humans reaching the peak of Everest. Nevertheless, others persisted, knowing it was impossible to survive on the summit without artificial air. During the 1930s, emergency flares and a functioning torch were found at Mallory's campsite. It's possible that Mallory forgot these items, which could have been used to signal his companions for help later on. In 1999, Eric Simonson led an expedition that discovered Mallory's body at a height of 8,155 meters. However, Irvine's body and Somerville's camera, which Mallory had borrowed, are still missing somewhere on the slopes of Everest. Mark Sinnott, the author who participated in a 2019 expedition led by Jamie McGinnis from New Zealand to uncover the mystery, discloses in his book, The Third Pole, that the Chinese might have discovered the remains of Irving and the camera and then concealed the evidence. Well, we say thank you to Steve Stockton from Among the Missing for another spooky story from Mount Everest. You can hear more by going to youtube.com forward slash Among the Missing and listen to more stories for free just like that. All right, from the mysterious and the missing to the UFOs above, here comes little Timmy Senor and the UFO report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know.
Timmy Seymour, it's good to have you here as we appreciate you taking uh, a nice night off the nightclubs to join us for uh, this edition of the UFO Report. Dude, you look like you're ready to go do some smashing at the clubs, do some dancing on the on the speakers, maybe a little cage dancing, you know, pole dancing maybe. I don't know, but you're looking sexy tonight, man, man. It's these new bulbs. It's so bright in here. I was going to just wear shades, and then I realized I can't read with my sunglasses on. So it just it doesn't play out. Well, it's good to have you here, man. Good to have you here. Right on. So yeah. Yeah. next week up here, want to know the big news? Please. Four days of snow scheduled. Oh, Canadian drum roll. Bam. Wow. That's the type of snow that usually doesn't melt until April. Yeah. Yeah. You guys do it right up there. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Lots of UFO talk coming up here. Um, Yeah. You know, I thought with everything that was going on in the world right now that we'd see a real slowdown in this topic, but we're not really seeing it, Tim. And to be honest with you, I'm, you know, before we get into tonight's stories, I'm pretty surprised by what's going on right now. I mean, I'm not. I'm really not understanding how the procedures take place and how the pacing is for all the paperwork and the details. It makes sense. And, you know, we had Congress that was taking a hiatus, so that put things on hold, at least what appeared to be on hold. But, Obviously, there's been a lot going on in the background. And then again, we have something coming again in December with perhaps some more whistleblowers. So the ball is rolling. We're going to be getting a lot more coming, too. So, the, you know, this is not a slowdown. This is just another marker. We did get an earlier UFO report than expected this year, but that just shows that their pacing is uh, on schedule for them, you know, which I thought was good. Uh, a couple of uh, eyebrow razors in the report. As a roofer, I'm always on the go. So I need to be able to get things done from anywhere. That's why I partner with Beacon. With the Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like Certainty Landmark Pro, right at my fingertips. It's like having my Beacon rep in my pocket 24-7. I rely on Beacon because I never stop building, and neither do they. Now through November... Purchase Certainty through Beacon Pro Plus and earn up to $750. Beacon, always building. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No big surprises for people that are insiders, obviously, or people that are aware. But uh, to the GP, you know, general public, this could be uh, some eyebrow raising information hitting the headlines. Uh, But yeah, a lot's going on. And this isn't all of it either, right? We're, We're getting a lot more. So exciting times as far as UFOs go. You're right. There's a legend word that David Grush is going to actually get his private skiff meeting with Tim Burchett and everything. 
and you know how I feel about those. I'm not a fan of those whatsoever, but you know, even though I'm not a fan, that's a personal opinion. It still is a step in the right direction that information is being transferred. Totally agree. Totally agree. And Tim Burchette is the kind of guy that may not be able to distribute the details, but will be able to give his general take at least. And I think by his reaction, it'll be very clear how things go in that skiff. What do you expect to happen? I expect confirmation, um, perhaps some names in some places. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if some of the names that you and this community are well aware of get dropped in there as far as who gave Grush some of this information. Um, I expect details to be exchanged. All of those questions that we know Tim Burchette will have, I think will get answered in there with an honest, detailed answer. Because you and I both know a lot of those answers, right? It's just a matter of them becoming public. You know, they'll never become public, but at least Tim Burchette will get those hopefully direct from the horse's mouth. And maybe that will lead Timber Chet down a road of truth where he can follow some of those threads. Um, that's what I expect. That's what I hope, you know, that's what was promised. So I fully expect that to take place. And I think this is a massive move. Uh, you know, this is huge for them to get that time in a skiff. This is what we've been hoping and waiting for. So, um, it's good news. All right. And once again, the Pentagon 2023 UFO report uh, has allegedly been given a con uh, to Congress. This is coming from News Nation. What are you hearing on this? Yeah, there's obviously some pretty big takeaways um, that we can kind of hit. And uh, according to them, more than 270 unidentified anomalous phenomenon, more commonly known as UFOs, were reported to the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow between August 31st, 2022 and April 30th of 2023. And according to a new report from the United States Defense Department, most reported sightings of UAPs continue to center around military bases and restricted airspace. And so a phenomenon the report attributes to a collection bias. So the report attributes recent testimony from reputable sources as one way the stigma surrounding UAP sightings has been lessened in recent years. And so the bias or these bias has been lessened by reporting from commercial pilots showing a more diverse geographic distribution of UAP sightings. And while the report found no instances of illness or injury, there were possible flight safety concerns. So however many reports from military witnesses do present potential safety of flight concerns, and there are some cases where a reported UAP have potentially exhibited one or more concerning performance characteristics, such as high-speed travel or unusual maneuverability, according to this new report. And so it didn't take or find any risk necessarily directly to the military, while the mere presence of UAP in the airspace represents a potential hazard to flight safety, none of these reports suggest that the UAP maneuvered to an unsafe proximity to civil or military aircraft, positioning themselves in flight paths or otherwise posed a direct threat to flight safety, 
of the observing aircraft, according to this report. So we know that Burchette is going to be coming forward and offering more on these briefings. But in terms of characteristics, we know that this report has found that the vast majority of UAP shapes reported as orb, round, or sphere, nearly 25%. And then 53% of these sightings did not report a shape. So 6% reported an irregular shape. Rectangle, triangle, disc, cylinder, oval, and, quote, ambiguous sensor contact were all reported in 6% or fewer incidents. So all in all, 79% of sightings reported of the UAPs have visible, no visible, I'm sorry, have no visible lights. Again, so 79% had no visible lights, while 21% reported seeing accompanied lights. Hmm. Okay. And so, you know, this is very interesting information. Um, the report, we, we have more to cover, but um, some of your first takes, knowing that the big points here were that um, the report finds most sightings continue to be near military airspace. Second of all, the urban sphere most commonly witnessed, and then no instances of injury or illness related to UAP. So those are kind of the big three takeaways what is your take? Well, the first one that I want to address is the idea that there are no threats. And yet that goes against the grain of what so many people like Ryan Graves, the former fighter pilot, are saying, David Fravor, another former p- fighter pilot. I'm not putting those guys down, okay? Not putting them down. They are pro. They are pros. They They know what they're doing. Okay, but we also have to know that somebody like Ryan Graves is also looking to cash in on the threat narrative with his companies that he has established. Okay, and the more it comes out that there is no threat against these, these, uh, against airplanes, commercial, domestic, uh, civilian planes, I love it. I love it because. It proves everything that we have been saying on this show, that there is zero threat narrative regarding UFOs. Okay, UAP on a different matter, with a lot of the sightings, this gets to your next point, with a lot of the sightings that are happening over military or nuclear installations, guess what? There's a lot of countries out there that would love to learn American technology. See what the Americans are having, hiding, performance of whether it's 35-year-old Apache helicopters, 40-year-old F-18s or F-16s or F-15s, or the newer versions of the F-35 and F-22. That makes sense to me, okay, that a lot of these incursions with the UAP are actually happening on military bases. Because with the way the world is right now, everybody's spying on everybody. Don't think for a second that that isn't happening. And when you can hide someone in a in a forest, say, a couple miles away from a military base, and they put up a silent drone that can be uh, looked at, maybe seen on radar, okay, but not causing any issues, that's a UAP, Tim. 
Okay? So I think with this report, if we break it on down, and yes, I'm biased here, but once again, we are seeing the difference between UAP and UFOs. No threat from UFOs. UAPs are hanging around military installations. Well, guess what? With all the crap that's happening in Israel right now, wouldn't you, if you were, say, pro-Hamas or pro-Hezbollah or pro-Iran, wouldn't you want to be seeing what the military installations are doing for maybe preparation for something bigger? It's a chess game right now. And I think that's where we need to start realizing that there is separation. And once again, I love it because it confirms, you know, we're in the minority here, Tim. You know, it took you a long time to to put a difference between UAP and UFO. And we're still in the minority of this thinking. But every time one of these reports comes out, it strengthens our resolve that there is no or there is a major difference between UAP and UFO. Government is interested in UAP because they can put the UFO inside the UAP. Okay? And they can use it as that blanket term. But in reality, we've learned in 2023, there's a big difference between the two. And I, I love this article because if if people actually paid attention and read it properly, they would see there is a big difference. And I, I hate harping on this same subject almost every time on the UFO report. But all these reports that you are saying continue to defend what we as ufologists have realized. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of people believing us because they want to go with whatever the government states. But we got to keep our resolve here, man. We got to keep our strength up. And we're right. We are 100% right. Yeah. And just keep pulling that thread because it is unraveling. I totally agree with you. And your audience is helping us pull that thread. Um, you know, I am curious as to what they're referring to when they give these descriptions of the not, they've confirmed that they're not mundane. It's still a low percentage, but orbs and spheres that are not mundane and not, um, you know, Chinese drones or any of these other things. Um, and they even come in quoting it as uh, performance characteristics with high speed travel, unusual maneuverability. And you and I both know that it's possible for the these to disappear and reappear uh, almost instantaneously in a different part of the sky or wherever they want to. Um, and, you know, I do think that there is an interest in our military. If this is in existence, you know, we do see more UFO over military installations, I would say purely out of curiosity or, you know, whatever is in that location that could potentially be harvested or drew them there. I don't know exactly, obviously, but it does seem like there's not all mundane and uh, adversary interest in these locations. It seems like some of this is actually unidentified, you know, and some of this real UFO. Um, and then I find also 
it's really important to see that they're starting to understand that there are regular shapes, um, that these things can morph, that there are, are rectangles and triangles and discs and cylinders and ambiguous sensor contact that's going to exist out there that is going to have them baffled. So as I kind of said to you on Wednesday, they're very much in the beginning of the learning curve. And there were some better organizations perhaps previously that already got past some of this, but we're watching the progression here with Arrow and Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick and his investigation and his trans, what he's being transparent about, at least publicly, that there is a learning curve here. And this report seems to relate that that they're starting to understand maybe what UAP is and what UFO is. And you start to see those two words being distinguished. Even if it is UFO being a subcategory of UAP, so be it. They're distinguishing it. And I'm with you on that. Tim, we got to get you to hold on right there. But when we return with the UFO report on Spaced Out Radio, statement by Pentagon Press Secretary Brigadier General Pat Ryder on the annual report of unidentified flying objects. We are also going to get into UFOs threatening national security. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get into it all. Lots more with little Timmy Senor, our resident Timbit, right here on the Mighty SOR. Stay tuned. The final half hour of Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. Don't go away. There we go, buddy. So I know you're a skater. Do you ski or snowboard? I used to ski. My knees just can't handle it anymore. I'm going to be skiing this year. I can't wait. I'm going to be reintroducing my kids to it. We lived in California for a long time, and I was up in Tahoe every weekend. And uh, all my younger, well, now my older kids, but at the time they were my youngest, they all learned to ski. And now these little ones have never had that chance. So we've got Mount Hood here in Oregon, and these kids are going to figure out whether they like the single sled or double it up like Dad with the skiing. We got Because if they want to snowboard, that's fine. You got to bring the kids up to go skiing in my place, man. We got a beautiful... Hold on. How much are tickets? I bet you have some fluff up there. I love powder skiing. Yeah, Uh, I grew up, actually, I was on uh, the junior U.S. ski team as a kid. I raced from my high school. I was really big into skiing. Yeah. Uh, Blew my knee out at Lake Placid uh, my senior year and lost a full scholarship to UVM. Changed my whole life in 10 seconds as I ripped my knee apart blew off into the woods. I was going 65 miles an hour. My dad was a gatekeeper mm-hmm. and watched me lose a ski and blow off into the woods oh, and geez. like basically slow down my career. Uh, lost my scholarship. It was so brutal. Ended up moving to Hawaii and learning to surf and get, getting therapy that way. So weird how life changes. Then I went to film school instead of uh, psychology. Instant change on a mountain. So adults full day skiing up at the res- up at the mountain my area seventy five bucks for a full day. Uh, youth, that's good. That's for adults. That's good. Youth is thirteen to eighteen. It's fifty six bucks. Uh, 
Juniors five and twelve are forty-five. I mean, that's Canadian, so that's like that's a bargain, bro. It's so expensive here. Yeah. That's great. I would love to. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. Jimmy Goodall is in the house. Little Jimmy Goodall. Little Jimmy Goodall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are you doing this weekend? Did we already talk about this? Uh, I work tomorrow morning till one. And then Mm. after one o'clock, I'm picking up my buddy Mark and then we're going hunting. And then I think, right. Then I think we got a ghost tour tomorrow night. Whereabouts anywhere? I know. Uh, just at the museum. Sweet. And uh, Sunday, extremely haunted Sunday. I got to do my, I got to do my wood pile. I have to do my, uh, patio. Put my hoses, garden hoses away because the snow is coming. Dude, I could probably go surfing with Jim Goodall. He's a surfer. That would be so much fun. I, I learned to surf in Lahaina, Maui, was my home for 16 years. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. Simon the likable, how you doing? I had spaghetti for dinner tonight, and I put way too oh. much hot sauce on. Way too much hot sauce. That is not spaghetti. That is chili. I don't chili care. I put hot sauce on everything. You're hilarious. No, I get it. I, I get it. You're so funny, this guy. I feel so bad for that leather. Seat no, no. sitting on no. it. Oh, spaghetti. Real Italiano style with lots of hot sauce. Hey, come up here, little Jimmy Goodall. <laughs> We're in full swing with fall right now. Yeah, you're about to get dumped on, bro. Yeah. Yeah, there is spicy Italian. Van is calling me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feels like it's a different kind of hot, though. It's not, I don't know. What do I know? All right. So, <laughs> it's like yeah. a sausage hot. Yeah. We, we're in, as of Sunday, we're back to single digits in temperature. So, what are you going to take the shorts off and put on long pants yet? Or, um, don't know. You really do fight the shorts thing. I'm in guy. shorts right now. Here we go. You sure are. Hopefully. Here we go with the final half hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Thank you very much for tuning us in. My name is Dave Scott. Always appreciate earning your listening ears. Reminder to all of you that if you've missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives. 
by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button, our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read the news wire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on Patreon, you can now sign up for the Space Travelers Club. All right, we head back to the UFO report with our good friend, little Timmy Senor, and a message from the press secretary at the Pentagon, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, on the annual report of UFOs, Tim. What's this about? In this statement, he says, Yesterday, the Department of Defense and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence delivered to Congress the annual report on UAP, as required by the National Defense Authorization Act of fiscal year 2022. And so analyzing and understanding the potential threats posed by UAP is an ongoing collaborative effort involving many departments and agencies. And the department thanks the office of the director. Of- lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Of National Intelligence, ODNI and other contributing departments and agencies for their collaborative efforts to produce this report. The safety of our service personnel, our bases and installations, and the protection of U.S. operations security on land, in skies, seas, and space are paramount. We take reports of incursions into our designated space, land, sea, or air spaces seriously and examine each one. And so the Alden Main Anomaly Resolution Office Arrow is leading DOD's efforts in coordination with ODNI and other government agencies to document, analyze, and when possible, resolve UAP reports using a rigorous scientific framework and data-driven approach. This year's UAP report covers UAP reports from August 31st, 2022 to April 30th, 2023, as well as any UAP report from previous time periods that were not included in an earlier report. So Arrow received a total of 291 UAP reports in this time period, consisting of 274 that occurred during this period and another 17 that occurred from 2019 to 2022, but had not been included in previous annual reports. So the total cases being reviewed is over 800 as of April 30th, 2023. So they give you information on where you can find an unclassified version of the annual report at the Arrow website and arrow.mil. So, 
uh, we can get into some more details here and your first take, because this is a statement, obviously, coming from the press secretary, Brigadier General Pat Ryder. Your thoughts? Well, we kind of touched on this the other night, too, about the 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 new reports hitting over 800. And once again, I think that's a vague number. We, you know, what I'm getting tired with the statistics. Okay. Because until we know what a, and I'm going to repeat myself from the last half hour until we know what is a UAP, what is a UFO? These numbers are skewed. Okay. Are they drones? Are they, are, you know, where are they being seen? How are they being seen? Who's seeing them? Okay, what kind of technology are they using? So it's good that the reports are coming out. Let's talk positive here for a second. 800 reports over the last little bit is nothing to be ashamed of. Okay, and I'm glad that, you know, if that's a real number, I think that's fantastic that pilots and people and personnel are finally having the strength to admit they're seeing something that they can't explain up in the sky. Once again, I think that's a good thing. We need more of that. And I love the fact that that it's happening. But we don't know the difference. How many, okay, like if, if I see a craft right in front of me and it just vanishes, to me that's a UFO. If something's hovering there, watching over my military base or traveling at five, six, seven, eight miles an hour, up to say 30 miles an hour, and it has a straight trajectory, to me, that's a, a UAP. Yeah. So no, I, right. I, are you up on the vagueness as well of, of that number? I, I get it. And I mean, I think the exact number is 801, you know, which is almost more frustrating. But, um, you know, they are saying that up to 650 of the reports, um, you know, could potentially have been dragged over from 2022, um, you know, for it to be such a large number. I would say that they're collectively around 801 and that they're still considering anomalous, according to you know, some of it, and they're saying the vast majority are often benign objects such as balloons or drones, but some may be the result of America's adversaries trying to spy. And so they're obviously having to weed a lot of that out. Um, And in our next story, obviously CNN was able to do an interview recently with Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick and um, stating that the U.S. is receiving dozens of UFO reports a month. And he goes on to say that um, they're, you know, according to the director, he's saying that it's hundreds, if not thousands, more reports are going to be expected in their near future because they're about to open up their website to the public and allow them to start reporting directly. Now, um, obviously, you and I are going to talk plenty about that as that unfolds. Um, But I think that it's important to consider that, at least from what we're seeing, um, they're saying here in a quote that there are some indicators that there are concerning 
attributes out there that is not for an activity. And so they're saying that they're investigating those incredibly hard. Uh, and so in that exclusive with CNN, Kurt Patrick went on to say that um, a portion of the increase in the reports are coming from the Federal Aviation Administration. And I think that that's almost as important to note as anything else, because in the past, we had seen those kind of pushed off to the side. We'd only seen military reports. So we are seeing baby steps towards understanding where to at least find some of these reports before they start calling everything Starlink. So, um, you know, we see here that about half of the reports contained enough data that they could be ruled out as mundane, you know, but that, that's still heavy in that interview for him to say that that still rules out half as being something that's not mundane. Now he goes on to say that only a very small percentage of the observations have interesting signatures such as high-speed travel and unknown morphologies. So Kirkpatrick's office in the past has always transferred a lot of cases to law enforcement for further investigation and, if necessary, counterintelligence. So, um, you know, they go pretty deep to make sure that this isn't an adversary or something mundane before they consider it UAP. Um, now, we can get pretty deep into what they actually have considered here. But um, ever since the Biden administration established a formal office to investigate UAP reports, the subject has definitely got a lot of public attention also. And we know that our president is actually due a report. And you and I briefly talked earlier that we may have, believe it or not, a disclosure president ahead of us if he's, you know, forced to report on things that are not mundane. And if he was to say any of the things that are even put here in this report, he would have to speak on UFO and things that we definitely have no clue about. So um, I'm pretty excited to talk a little bit further about the new submissions that are going to be coming from the public. But Dave, I've kind of uh, spoken a lot here. I'd love to hear kind of your take at this point, because we know that Kirkpatrick can be pretty dodgy when it comes to straight mm -hmm. shooting on this topic. And so what do you think about his clear response here to this sensational claim that half of this is potentially still unknown? Well, first off, Sean Kirkpatrick reminds me of my former sports director where every day was a rainy, cloudy day. Okay. And I never understood it because we didn't work hard. We worked in sports. We could go to any game that we wanted via our press pass. Got free golf at all golf courses, okay? And anything we wanted to try, okay? We got some good pull. You wanted to go, go into the best bars and, and clubs in Vancouver? Just flash your press pass. They let you in, right? And that's the way it kind of went. Well, Sean Kirkpatrick reminds me of my old sports director where every day was the worst day ever. I mean, this is a guy who is literally, if he embraced his job, has one of the greatest jobs in history. History. Okay? No, he's not going to lead an army into the battlegrounds of Europe or the Middle East. 
but the impact he has the potential to have on the world. Yes, that's a stressful position, but wouldn't we all want that job? Wouldn't we all want to know every secret? He has the keys to every secret that the United States holds on UFOs, on is there life out there somewhere. He has the keys. And this is a guy who doesn't even care like he wants the job. Now, granted, there probably is a ton of red tape that goes along with that position. And that could be very stressful as well. Okay? Especially when you have to answer to Congress, the Senate, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, other generals below you, every alphabet agency, and nobody really wants to cooperate. But when you have the keys, man... Why wouldn't you want to open the door? Why wouldn't you try, you know, and have some fun with the position rather than look miserable and depressed and like Eeyore off of Robin, uh, you know, Christopher Robin and and Winnie the Pooh cartoons? (laughs) He knows too much. He knows too is it much that? and he can't say. Is I mean, it that or is he just a miserable human being? Well, we know he has a deep history of understanding physics that are outside of the box. And he understands the potential of some of these things that are moving with exceptional speed and potentials. And so he knows that those exist. He's seen the files. He's seen the footage. He, he just wants more of it. And there's probably not a lot of data on those because they're so hard to capture and so elusive. So it does make sense when you're looking at real UFO, man, is that impossible to capture, you know, with any data sensor because it just acts so bizarrely with no repetition, no predictability and that sort of thing. And so, you know, Grush brought up a lot of stuff and, you know, it was when asked to acknowledge it, Kirkpatrick himself kind of dismissed the sensational claims by saying in a quote that there's no evidence that suggests that anything extraterrestrial in nature exists, right? But he continues to say, if anybody thinks that they know where those things are, they should be coming to talk to us. And he says, that's why we've set up this entire architecture for people to securely come and give us that information. So, you know, according to him, he's ready to hear it. I'm sure if there is a skiff available, you know, that's the place that he can receive that if he hasn't already. Um, You know, we know that they're not giving us all the information. And to uh, people that are insiders or that understand this topic well, know that this report is not full of anything interesting, really. Right. But again, we're talking about the GP, the general public and the media and how it's handling that. And also how the government is handling this topic and how money is being spent on and around it. Um, you know, and so obviously the Pentagon is preparing for a flood of new reports, right? As it readies itself for two new portals for submissions, one for historical sightings for, from current or former government employees and contractors, and second for public submissions of new reports, 
So now this is interesting, Dave. The portal for historical sightings is set to open sometime in the next month or so. And Kurt Patrick told CNN, its purpose is to validate or refute past reports of UFO, checking them against other reports and cataloging them for possible future analysis. Now, it is the opening of the public portal still several months away that Kirkpatrick said could flood the system with hundreds, if not thousands, of new reports coming from the public. But it's very interesting to note here that the portal for historical sightings is set. Now, how historical are we going to go and how responsible are we going to hold them for some of those historical cases? Because if there's more than one bit of information on a sighting now, they're going to have to come up with some investigation, right? Are you interested at all in that, or do you feel like that's more smoke and mirrors? I think it's more smoke and mirrors. Look, I I don't think Sean Kirkpatrick knows the word truth from the front to the back end of his underwear. Okay? I really don't. Now, I'm being sarcastic there, of course. But this guy is a master manipulator. He's a master of his own domain. He's a miserable person where every day is a rainy day. And I think he just wants to, you know, it's like he's he's one of these people who's going to retire soon. So he's just sandbagging it until that moment happens. That's the feeling I get. And so well, when it comes to Kirkpatrick, I have no hope for humanity on this subject. Let's go to CNN here. What's that report? As we got four minutes to go. Okay, so um, we just covered that. So UFOs threatening national security with shape-shifting craft spotted. So that's actually the next story. And the report contained enough data for subjects to be ruled out as mundane things, such as weather balloons, drones, floating rubbish, while others could be attributed to foreign activity. So defense chiefs are probing the new sightings, around of which 12 which have been keeping them extremely baffled. And it's this 12 that the um, were actually reported by military personnel that had no apparent explanation. Now, one of these was a mystery craft that either reached exceptionally high speeds or performed some unknown morphology. They're calling it a shape change here. And investigators said that only a very small percentage of the new sightings spanning the eight months had such interesting signatures. However, this one in particular uh, had some truly anomalous um, things happening happening to it, which kind of stuck out. And um, Dave, I am having some issues here with my reader. Are you able to bring that story up and continue on reading it? Or well, let's just let's debate the subject. Here. We don't have that that long. Okay, yeah. please. You know, I I think it's nice to see another outlet outside of News Nation right now cover this subject, okay? CNN has, for some reason, been behind the eight ball of this subject for quite a while now. So I'm a little bit surprised that they came through with this article, to be absolutely blunt. I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, it was actually kind of shocking that they would that they would even go there. Okay, and number one, but number two, 
once again getting to the threat of national security, what's a UFO? What's a UAP? Right? The shape-shifting, that's interesting to me. Right? Yeah, and this case kind of did seem to stick out to them as well. And the fact is that they are concerned when they can rule out mundane things, including adversaries. And they're saying that um, they're hoping that the public are actually going to help them to resolve some of this with their information. And they're saying, you know, that um, we have 100,000 people with cell phones who can help collect data. And so they're asking people eventually to report directly to their website. Now, um, the fact that they are kind of breaking into the fact that some of this stuff changes shape, it's not I guess they only had one report that was over water. So they weren't really looking into um, any, any previous reports or any that have been collected so far that were reported over water. But um, they definitely had this one case where it was changing shapes and morphing as they were tracking it. And so we know that they are now kind of scratching their heads and they know that these things definitely are not ours. I feel like that's a pretty big step in itself. And they're calling it a concern for national security, I believe, because they simply do have that massive question mark over it. Do you well, agree? The question mark's going to continue for a long time. Okay. And, you know, this goes uh, kind of against the grain of recent articles that we've seen, Tim, where a lot of people have been stating that the UFO story is about confirmation, not about disclosure. Okay, that's been coming up quite a bit lately, too. But when you get shape-shifting things, remember, we don't know what they have at Area 51 and other places that they're testing like that. Is it ours? Is it theirs? The argument continues until that's actually admitted. Tim Senor, a great UFO report once again. Thank you so much for coming on in. Very much appreciate it. And we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, LinkedIn. Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter, pardon me, X, and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I know you're out there somewhere. Remember, this show is copyright by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend... We've got room for them, too. Good night.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.